0: let's
1: go what's up everybody welcome back to bingetown tv and our coverage of amazon primes the wheel of time so this is episode five Damané. and before we dive into the episode i just want to give a very quick shout out to everyone that's kind of directly engaged with us either via twitter x or the youtube comments obviously be doing this show i feel like if it was just our friends and family listening but the fact that you guys are listening and engaging with us makes it honestly that much better and that much more fun we really appreciate the support and then if you're someone who is just listening or watching and not interacting, step your game up. <laughs> yeah. So that's the opening. Uh, and we'll kind of just move right into the episode. Classic benchtown town housekeeping stuff. It's just that we do this by buckets, either locations or characters. So we'll have it. We'll do Perrin and everything with Perrin. We'll do um, Tarvalon, which will just be things with Varen. Then we'll move into Rand and Moraine's kind of storyline. Then we'll move into Falm. And then, yeah, hopefully this won't take us the two and a half hours that we're thinking it will, because as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, got the Eagles jerseys on, Eagles play tonight. So we're going to try to get through this as quick as we can while still giving you the content you love. All right. Perrin's storyline. Just want to very quickly mention that uh, Child Valda was in the episode preview and I just cracked a smile for me. So I was like, OK, this is going to be interesting. So Perrin's storyline opens with just kind of two quickish scenes of he realizes that Elias has led him in a circle instead of in a chase for his friends. He decides to set it on his own in anger. They have some interesting quotes here. Not sure how much we want to linger on this kind of opening scene, but just some things I liked is that parent is just kind of pushing back on Elias. Elias is telling him like the two rivers squad and his wife are in his pack, which I thought was like, all right, bro, I'll slow your roll a little bit there. Elias, you're kind of uh, creeping yeah. into territory you don't want to get into. Yeah,
2: I've known you for like two days, bro. Like back off just a little bit. Uh, I was kind of getting that same vibes that Perrin is kind of taking offense to it. But, you know, it is what it is because he is part of this new pack now. A few of the things they were saying, you know, well, my eyes turn, you know, hopefully soon if you're lucky. But eventually they will. You know, you get pretty much night vision and you can see a deer in tall grass. Just so cool. Um, So and then the fact that, yeah, he just keeps pressing about the wife and Perrin still has not yet come to terms with it. Like it's still a super soft spot. Just waiting for that to be done. Like obviously it's it's taking a long time because you know it is a whole character trait, but it's I'm ready for that to be done with.
0: I feel like of our five, Perrin and Matt have been constantly being told that, you know, they aren't, you know, they shouldn't associate themselves with the five anymore. You know, they've kind of left you behind. So it feels like Perrin and Matt are kind of set up to be going down darker paths, whereas Egwene, Nynaeve, and Rand are more on the The light side if you want to call it that but it's just interesting here because ishii i think tells him the same thing like you're there's those aren't your friends so matt and him are just constantly being told you know you got to leave those those fools behind they aren't your friends
3: yeah i don't have anything else to add except i and this will be like the third time i've said it this season but the eyes look amazing to me and i'm happy they addressed it because eventually Perrin is going to have them all the time and it's going to be so cool because elias looks amazing and when Perrin whips them out they're just cool but I know the the next scene's a little bit more for me.
1: Uh, yeah. 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 So defining character trait of Perrin. So it's nice that you guys are enjoying that. One thing I would like to add here is just that the group of wolves seem quite loyal to Elias. But except for our boy Hopper. Hopper follows Perrin. He's kind of whining when Perrin's like, I'm going to get out of here when he's angry. So Hopper's kind of proving himself to be a real one. He shows Perrin a vision of Uno in a cage, which then prompts Perrin to get upset that they didn't bury him. So Perrin now crosses into Atuan's mill examines the cages. before he can break uno out he hears a voice that kind of warns him about doing so because he'll be discovered by a white cloak which he then is discovered by a white cloak who we find out is dane Bornhold. Uh they share a bit of a drink they have a little bit of a conversation if you even want to call it that it's a little more of like a questioning grilling session before a parent kind of scurries into the inn to hide so we get a lot of info dumped in these two scenes floor is completely open we can talk about all of it
3: and i'm putting this out there now at the top of the episode that a lot happens in the in this episode from a book reader's perspective. Me and Kyle were texting about it. There is so much subtle lore work that is really well done. We are introduced to some major characters that we're going to have for a long time. So this was an episode that probably hit harder for book readers. I don't know how you guys feel about it. We'll talk about that later. But just for me, you're going to probably see me and Kyle geeking out over some things that you're going to be like, <laughs> really? Like, that's that's that big of a deal. But there were some moments I was watching with Dave and Alki where I was like containing myself, but still freaking out because yeah, awesome. like these are characters we're meeting that I've read thousands of pages of, spent hours with and just always like have grown to love and they're finally getting introduced. So if we feel like we're gushing on some characters that get a couple lines there's more to come. And that, this is like Perrin's storylines a huge part of that because you just mentioned Bornhold. He gets a, a lot of important parts. And then Avienda, of course, we'll talk about her. But I guess we're just sticking to the initial part of Perrin going in before Valda shows up, right? That's what we're talking about now.
1: I would say up until Valda. So basically up until Perrin sneaks out at night. Um, okay, I so think Paul, the Valda ups fair game because I'm sure we obviously want to talk about that because he was a little bit of a podcast favorite character for season one.
3: Yeah, you guys, whatever you are.
1: Yeah, just some small
2: things. When Perrin was talking to the innkeeper, the innkeeper was saying that the white cloaks actually chased out the swan Chan, So that's why they're not taking Don't over. Chan. The, Chan.
1: Okay. swan okay. Swan-shan, it is. Chan. Dude, no, I, it's, dude, it's Jackie's son, Sean. Sean, that's what I said.
2: You're the one that said <laughs> swan. All right, so the Sean-shan, they aren't there because the white cloaks are actually have one benefit, and that's, the, you know, they can defend the area that they're in. This pretty boy, I called him pretty boy in my notes as soon as he walked up. And I was like, this is a trap, man. Nobody just sees a random person. It's like, come on, dude, I'll buy you a drink. I'm like, come on, especially one chilling out by the prisoners. But, you know, poor parent, I'm sure he was like, fuck it. Like, I'll get I'll get a meal out of it. At least I knew that dude was going to be a big player. And then they drop his name later. The the name Bornholt just sounds harsh. And child Valda even has the line, you know, one day your name won't be enough to save you. So that just felt like he was a big player and it would not to go all the way into the scene, but he had the ax and I was like, dude, parent, take the ax. You're the ax guy. Take that shit.
3: So I like, cause stuff. I know you're Kyle. You're going to clean up a bunch of the lore things here. So I'll take these couple little things that Paul just pointed out that I I'm, I'm glad you caught it because they were two amazing, just throwaway lines that could be taken by just like the average person. But yeah, like the, I brought it up maybe when the Sean, Chen were originally introduced, how I said, if you take the oaths, you're good. That's what they re- reiterate here. The white cloaks can be hard asses and like, you know, that's kind of what we took away from that. And you just picked up on that quote right away. So yeah, like there's, there's a, there, there's a debate about like, is it worth it just to have the Sean Chen here? White cloaks, whatever. That's important world building for just their dynamic between each other. And then the other thing you said, Bornhold, that name, He also he also goes on to talk about his dad said like living in the shadow of your father. So keep that in the back of your head as well, because yeah, that's, The Bornhold name has some weight behind it.
1: And I mean, season one, we met his dad. Do you not remember, Paul? You called him Borny. That was Borny. The white haired guy who when when the squad is like leaving, they're running away from the two rivers and they run into Child Valda for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the guy who's the leader of
0: that group. But the Mm -hmm. white hair, that's his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay, That's pretty cool, actually.
1: So that's like a little connection thread there. That's
0: why the show is great. The connections that (laughs) they do is just it's so good. My comments are just going to be really quickly that Dane definitely made a very good first impression for me. Obviously, we all think Valda is a complete dick, which he obviously is. And it was cool seeing Dane kind of push back against him. I guess when he first gets introduced and Perrin looks at his outfit, I missed that it was a white cloak outfit somehow or there was a symbol he, on he, the was, op- he was hiding it for sure okay and so that went over my head but it was cool seeing the interactions between valda and dane and that obviously not all white cloaks think alike you know valda might be the extreme of the white cloaks whereas dane seems a little bit more lax like i don't know if like valda would have had a way different reaction seeing perrin there than dane did. dane was very even b- excluding the history i feel like he still would have you know reacted a little bit differently and dane was very like calm about everything and I, I kind of liked him as like potentially like maybe leaving the white cloaks later down the line, you know, we'll see. To partially quote One Piece, some, maybe there's a good white cloaks and bad white cloaks, you know. That. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's season exactly two? What I was just going to bring up too. Yeah, yeah, the Marines and shout out to One Piece getting renewed for season two, the live action. Paul, I just like your pretty boy quote because people were like when they casted him everyone was like, why are they just keep casting everyone in this show so hot? Like, Dane Bornhold is a character that's <laughs> like, he's in the books. And like, naturally, if you're part of the White Cloaks, it's like, you know, people's like initial takes when you're always negative in a sense. And it's like, why are the, why are all these handsome men and like, you know, and these attractive women, like, like Landfair and all these people, like, they're going to make us love them in the show versus just like reading them and picking your own, like, you know, picture them in your mind. So that's just kind of funny that you also thought that two little things Just going to, I think I'm going to reiterate it every time when they bring it up of when Valda says, do you think it's a coincidence that there are are Iel west of the Spine at the same time these strangers appear from the west of the sea? So we've gotten it mostly from the White Tower storyline of like, things are happening in the world. There's, you know, false dragons popping up. Now we have channelers who are super strong. So it's, they're doing a job, a good job of dropping all of those steeds. And you guys mentioned the convergence, I guess, idea from Malazan. So there's our one piece in Malazan. Reference quota for the episode. We banged him out in the in the same scene. I love. <laughs> and us. now we can. And now, <laughs> and now we can kind of uh move on to one small little thing. I loved is that um child Childvada is afraid of like the dog barking, and Dane Bornhold, like makes a joke about it. He's like, "Don't worry, there's no wolves around here." So like, it's a known thing in the White Cloaks that he like got attacked by wolves and is afraid mm-hmm. of them. So that's a fun little kind of extension world building thing right there. It's, oh, and, and again, as always, there's more things that I wanted to say than I said I was going to say. Again, we're getting this idea that people notice two Richards stitching, two Rivers stitching, rather. I
2: was going to say that, but yeah, so that's just I, I was like, like don't happening. don't pick on everything, Paul. We, we got a time limit. And I
1: was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's just something that's happening.
2: It's so cool, though. I love it. And then yeah. that makes sense why he describes. I can't think it was Steven Erickson. No. Yes. Yes, that was the author. Why he describes everything so much, all the clothing and stuff.
3: Is that Wait, not the guy who writes You're Malazan? talking about Malazan, yeah. Okay. yeah, Robert, Robert Jordan. Jordan. Robert
2: Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is why I need backup confirmation. <laughs> you guys just blank stare at me. I feel like a deer in headlights. Uh, <laughs> well, something like yes. You
1: sent me last episode to just let you roll when you make fucking mistakes. So I was like, okay, I'll let him roll. I ain't never said that. Okay. Whatever. So moving on to the next scene is going to be Perrin slipping out of the inn. His naturally heroic nature won't let him just leave Avienda alone in the cage. He breaks her out. Is forced to join the battle for her freedom, which then turns into a battle for his freedom. Just a great action scene here. The music was on point. The choreography was on point. So just obviously just floors wide open.
0: Dude. I mean, great scene. Yeah, in action. I mean, this is the second Live Iel. we've seen at least in the present. I know we've gotten Rand's mother in a flashback, but like Rand's the only one we've seen. And now we have, I. what's her name? Avienda. Avienda. A-Vienda. Try and spell it. I'll give you a hundred bucks. You know, I was
1: thinking when it came up is that Dave, you should keep like your little spelling character list and then we'll release it at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, we're just going to add it here, but Avienda, A-V-I-E-N-D-I-A. Oh my God. That was, close. That was really was that close? close. I mean, if I thought yeah. a little bit more, I maybe could have nailed it. That was just me. okay at the end, right? No, oh, yeah, it's I would not have, I. It's H-A. I would have never got that, yeah. but that was good. That, that was myself. really impressive. Yeah, but no, just this was really great because the the first fight scene we ever get with an Aiel is Rand's mother, who's taking on I think it was like four or five, like or maybe not even that many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was obviously, and she was mm-hmm. pregnant, and like that still put on a really good display of like how strong Aiel are. But here we see a non pregnant Aiel taking on ten grown ass experienced men just. Who are probably, I'm sure, trained to fight at least in some capacity. And she makes slight work of them. Always gonna shout out the choreography in the show. It's been fucking amazing. It's we've been spoiled, I feel like. It's so hard to appreciate like other shows now because of how good the choreography has been in these um these scenes. But loving the loving that Perrin's willing to help out others all the time. He's just such a good guy. Just love that. And it's especially boring. in the in the face of everyone telling him, you know, lose your friends, you're gonna be bad, all this stuff. He's still making his way into being good. I, I love this scene. 10 out of 10. Absolutely for me.
2: Yeah, this scene was fucking amazing. I got a few lines that I was just like, dude, this is just the best. I want all of this. I said last time the storyline was, you know, piqued my interest, but now it's like really picking up. Uh, so I love her. Avienda, that, that's her name. She's a beast. And a few things here. People shouldn't be in cages. That's just a great line by Perrin my water is yours or my water is your yeah. water that's just like a it reminds me of like i see you in like from like yeah. avatar i just like that line it's a cool little uh this
0: is the way you know the world, world building thing. Like that i feel like Do you know like... the song yeah i like mean that. literally yeah that okay yeah um it felt, it and felt then... like a way of the leaps like thing that they would say you yeah. know
2: speaking of songs not not a song but you know parent goes to block her and like protect her, she just fucking chuckles, like, Oh, that's cute, dude. That's a fucking cute idea. Yeah. And she was like, Parent last name, which I still don't know. What's his last name? Ibarra. I had Ibarra, so I was close. Parent Ibarra, do you like to dance? I was like, Oh my god, that was like so to. badass.
0: I like to break it down on the dance floor, that's for sure. This dude was absolutely one of my
3: favorite scenes of this entire uh show, maybe because Avienda is the pretty much ideal type of fantasy character archetype that I usually gravitate towards. So she, I have high expectations, for. Her. she was one of the first actors cast for season two. So we've known that she was going to appear forever. She's a big character in the books, like get ready for her because she's just, you can already tell she makes such an impression with what little screen time she's got. And also since this is like Dave saying, the first live I will really have in modern time. Pay attention to her little intricacies of her culture that you can get. You already pointed out, Paul, water is a huge thing for them. So she'll say things like that all the time. She calls him wetlander. Oh yeah. The, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, um, not mass, what the, the Vita uh, veil. Veil, veil. veil, veil. Yeah. And Tom Marilyn, our boy from last season said to Matt, when he was trying to rob the caged IEL at that point, if the veil is up, it's already too late. If it's down they're peaceful. And, Her confidence was amazing. I love that little cackle before saying "Perrinivar," and then she just fucks everybody up. Perrin got some some kicks in there too, like he was doing some things. But Avienda was just awesome, and this really shows you how strong the culture of fighting is in the Aiel. So she was amazing. Ten out of ten. I was just it was hard to get a smile off my face when
0: she popped up. My only, it's not even really a complaint. Is just my only, I guess, issue. Is it's hard for me, like right off the bat, Perrin knows she's an IEL. I think is like we're led to assume for me as a viewer. I'm still having difficulties like determining. I know it's like the red hair is like a giveaway, but when she was like in the cage, I personally did not think IEL right away. I we see her face and I'm like, I'm like, who is that? Is this someone Perrin knows? He says IEL. Um, it's just it's hard. I just I I hope with the introduction of more IEL going forward, it makes it a little bit more obvious to me because I know like. Oh, I know this is just totally random, but like Elena is a redhead, Elaine, Elaine is a redhead. Like, you know, yeah. what other characteristics are there that define an ideal besides maybe the veil, the red hair, you know? So the first thing, the thing
1: with Elaine, I think it's more of like a casting thing. I think they just like her hair so much. They didn't want to give her a wig. She, Elaine's supposed to be more like strawberry blondish, okay. so it's not she's not really supposed not to as have as like red, red. Yeah. Yeah, as red as it is. But I think it's worth it to not have her wear like an ill-fitting, obvious wig type of deal. And then with the aisle it's a lot of it's going to be it's going to be the way they speak but mostly the way they dress like she's yeah. wearing like that just like very like kind of rock colored clothing that's just like what they rock all the time oh wow i used it twice there in two different nice. ways but i just <laughs> think of, like
2: dune like what they yeah. rock yeah, in the that's, desert
0: that's kind that of is, what i picked up on. yeah
1: that's definitely a very 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 fair comparison so
3: Whoa! That was awesome.
1: (laughs) Did she like block an axe with her
2: thigh? Like she like jumped up and like I don't know what she did. I don't know if she like was supposed to hit like the handle and not the actual blade part. But then like later on, she had like a cut on her thigh, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" So it was just like a weird back and forth.
3: I I was a bit confused by that too. She loves Rey Mysterio because she was 619 and everybody out there dude,
1: was all yeah. <laughs> as I remember, I was like, dude, the grappling choreography was amazing. I mean, she's yeah. just in it. It's just really, really, really good. Yeah. So kind of to bring back the Tom stuff and this just idea of how much you learn about the culture, she introduced herself as Avienda of the Nine Valley Sept of the Tar Daiel, Far Dice Mai. Obviously that is just straight gibberish to you just <laughs> listening. It literally means nothing to you. But basically the way the Aiel culture works is that there's clans and then there's seps within that clan. And then outside of that structure, you can be like in a warrior society, which maybe think about it like your job. So like, you know, we're from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then we do our jobs type of deal. So like they're from clans. They live in like the the smaller subset is going to be your sect and then or your sept rather. And then you can be in a warrior society. So her clan is the Tardad. There's 12 of them. Her sept is the Nine Valleys. It's just one of whatever parts of her clan. And then she's Far Dias Mai, which is a warrior society, which just means maidens of the spear. That's what Rand's mom was like. They, they're they just basically the women that fight. And we learned from Errol a couple episodes ago that the women are badasses. Obviously, they're putting that on display. All of that kind of stuff will get reinforced later. But it's just want to call it out now so we can kind of come back and to this
0: like additional moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you were saying Rand's mom is also kind of the same, you know, warrior that she is. So are she are, was essentially like a part of the same warrior society. But all IEL at the end of the day are going to be super strong. It's kind of like the minx in One Piece. Like I know there's like, you know, the people in the minx in One Piece, they have, you know, they're the sword fighters and like the frontline yeah. people and like even the townsmen. Like they're not trained fighters, but they it's can tough. still kind of fight.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the IEL are just like a really hard people.
3: I think Spartans. These to think about. It. Yeah,
1: I mean, their just culture is just like but built like, around like the fact that like they've had to struggle to survive, and like they're all just kind of hardened people. Whether it's battle hardened, oh whether it's life hardened, like they're just that like really uh, and yeah. And like that's their genetics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we get into the next scene, which is kind of them to having this little debrief session. Essentially, after they just kick the shit out of a bunch of people, and we just learn a ton more about their customs. So, like Luke said, she calls them a wetlander. Heron calls it the waste. So we learned in episode, I mean, sorry, in season one, and now we're getting it again. So people call it the Aiel Waste, where they're from, essentially because it's just like a desert. So it's just like a wasteland to everyone that's not from there. She says they call it the threefold land, which this is just like one of my favorite parts of the episode, because this is just great lore shit. It's just so one of the folds is it's the shaping stone to make them. Second is the testing ground to prove their worth. And then the third is their punishment for the sin. The words the sin coming out of an I. Ullman's mouth to book readers is like yeah, borderline mm-hmm. orgasmic. So, like, and they, obviously they call it out. Parents, like, what's the sin? She's like, it's so old that we don't know. It's like kind of, you know, alarm bells going off that that's something we'll come back to. That's and, like sounds eerily. S- more info. Yeah.
0: It just sounds eerily similar to the arches almost, like the three arches, like the, the trials that you have to huh? go through there.
3: Yeah. Don't hate that at all. But that's why their people are just badasses, is because they are thriving in the worst place environment like
0: the the basic person there would maybe not be like combatively as strong as like an average person outside of there but like yeah like the resilient survivalist yeah resilient yeah Yeah. Yeah. and that's a great little like
1: little language bit that i'm sure i feel like paul like so they come from a place that's like the desert with like not a lot of water so you mentioned how she's like you know like your water is my, my water is yours type of deal luke said the water is a big thing for them and the fact that they call people not from the waste wetlanders. Because they live in places where there's water, it's just like a funny little like good language quirk there.
2: you have green around you, you're like a wetlander. And then she said like you're searching for the like, chief, or she's searching for her chief of chiefs. I didn't oh, really right. get that. She like gave like the actual name for it, but I, I didn't exactly follow. So she's just out searching for, and like she didn't even have a name for it. She was just like,
3: no, she did. It's Karo Khan, right? Yeah, pretty much.
2: Well, that but like she just said the, the chief of chiefs but she didn't say like what it actually like was, it was yeah like, it's man. like a myth
3: that they're like they're, they're searching for their chief of chiefs because like Kyle was describing the structures each of them each of the clans has like a chief right and then yeah. the parents so parents, like, so
2: parents like, the chief so that's it yeah of the wolf oh.
3: brothers maybe we'll
1: see hell yeah I mean
3: yeah but that's kind
1: of it's almost like so we've we've gotten more into prophecy talking this season that's kind of like their version of a prophecy it's mm-hmm. like they're looking for this chief of chiefs Oh my okay. God. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Like, I thought it was like description yeah. of a person to that. I don't think it's like a spoiler to mention that. I think it'll just help you understand it more obviously. Yeah,
3: Prophecy cool. is the best way to think about it. But the other important piece here too, that you should take from their culture is the, I, the idea of toe just owing somebody. Basically they take that to the extreme. If you do some, if you do something for somebody in a meaningful way, like save them from being caged, Avienda says, like, I have toe towards you, parents, or she's like, wherever you go, I go until I pay this back. It's a very important part of their culture. Don't necessarily know where it came from, but it's just a cool little gimmick for the IEL that makes them even more fun because they take that to their heart, like more than you could ever imagine. Yeah.
1: They're like incredibly honor bound. Like, even if it's your worst enemy, no matter what happens, like if you have toe to someone, like you have to fulfill the toe, it doesn't matter.
0: Mm -hmm. I have like just three... Comments mm-hmm. overall about Perrin's thing and yeah, I'm more just uh, the last scene, so let him ride. Um, the one is early on. I'm pretty sure Elias specifically tells Perrin, like refers to people as human. I just thought that was very interesting.
3: He's wolf brother.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like they are like even though he's a wolf brother, he should still be human. I just thought that was an interesting word choice by Elias. There, the second is just the dynamic of what's going to happen between the white cloaks. And the dark side and like the Aes because we obviously see here that the white cloaks are against the Sean Chen, who we behind the scenes know are working for not, I guess, directly working for the dark one, but like are being kind of swayed into the dark side a little bit. The eyes Sedai are clearly against the white cloaks and the dark side. So it's just we have three factions that are all like fighting each other. Does this open up an opportunity for like collusion? Like, are the eyes to Die and the White Cloaks eventually going to work together? That would be and then crazy. take
3: it back to the Dark One meet or the the Dark Friends meeting from the beginning, where you you did list all these important factions, and then within each faction, regardless of what their ultimate dark goal friends. is, there's Dark Friends littered throughout all of them, and that's oh, just that's Asia, that's that like crazy. the definition of Wheel of Time is something you have to remember that no matter what, like there's Dark Friends and there's good people everywhere, littered all
0: over the Randland. Yeah. And then my last comment is that I just thought it was interesting on how Avienda was like very formal. Like it's just really interesting, like hearing about this like savage culture of people who can kick ass and everything. And then she comes off pretty formal. Like she's constantly referring to Perrin by his first and last name. Mm -hmm. And like the way she talks is very formal. It feels like it's just like, you know, I was getting Jeff Chang vibes, you know, every time she's mentioning Perrin, Jeff Chang.
3: And I I think, I hope they keep that up because that's like a, Quirk too. I like. feel like yeah. That,
0: yeah. that was something <laughs> that a, stood out to me. And I hope exactly that they keep that consistent consistency with other ideal.
1: It's interesting too that you use the word savage. I feel like that again just reminds me of Tom. And that might be a racist. One. Yeah, that might be a no, racist. No, you're good. something there. that they they mention in the books and stuff too. Is that like Tom says people are afraid of them, but because they don't know anything about them, type of deal. Right. He obviously has like a very maybe maybe not even positive outlook, but like he's has a neutral outlook. He understands their culture. He knows that you know, they are what they are type of deal Well, everyone else is like so anti them. And then now, you know, we're actually meeting one, having a conversation. And she's, like you said, very formal. She's very kind to parents. She understands that she owes him a debt and she's willing to fulfill it. So it's just interesting. It's going to be interesting to get more of them and like see how their culture builds out. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Shout out Avienda and parent. Oh, and they're going to fall. Save the, That's the last thing. Oh, and Hopper's just there chilling. And I like how she doesn't even comment on
0: it. He's oh, just they, there. They do actually bury Uno though, right? They do get that done not that we saw yeah not that we saw i don't know so. le- he
1: left him in the cage which i
2: was
0: like dude that was yeah. the whole point yeah okay. give me my give my boy some respects there well, he he's my say, mvp like, in episode three we gotta get out of here <laughs> okay so
1: yeah, yeah child valdo was coming you don't want to hang out around child vault i think you would understand <laughs> yeah all right so we're gonna dip out of that storyline we're gonna dive into tar Valon, which is just gonna be pretty much Varen. we're gonna take all of the wonder girls and kind of lee and kidnap scenes and we'll work them into the farm storyline because they make more sense there they flow better so basically the initial scene for Varen is that she arrives in Tarvalon. i just love the little like for whatever reason sneaky little entrance of like this uh i almost said hoarder this rider on a horse with like the black cloak and it's like, who's that? It's Varen. Um, so she meets up with some brown sisters. They have a little conversation, but she kind of just starts planting the seeds of like her actual mission work, which I thought was fun because she's like, I need the gossip type of deal. Don't know if we want to have any comments on that opening scene.
2: Naomi and Jessica. Is that what Correct. I heard? Yes. I just I just think of Jennifer because mm-hmm. it's Jennifer and Jessica just replaced with a Y. I just <laughs> yeah. cracked the fuck up. So much
3: um, and Jennifer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is
2: a Y. But- I just love yeah, the idea. I love the idea that like they're hanging out in the headquarters. It's just like the library, like knowledge all around them. That's just <laughs> yeah. who they are. That's so and They're getting cool. crunk. Gives she's them alcohol. That bottle. She, she's yeah. that bottle. She's like, yeah, can we pop that? <laughs> yeah. She's like, dude, fucking what's taking you so long? Bust that shit out. You've been holding yeah. it out in front of me for like forever. That was awesome. And she was just asking, more or they were asking about you know how's the history of the world after the breaking you know tell us everything about how that is going so that's cool that they're just bringing that in and people know her for that that's like her goal so that's nice
0: That was going to be my one comment is I love how well respected it seems that she is amongst like all the Aes Sedai. Like she comes in, people immediately like kind of straighten up a little Mm -hmm. bit. They're like, oh, it's you. Like you're here. Like, what are you doing here? And I just I love that people know her and that she's well respected because I have definitely come to love Varen. She's on our side. We've got that confirmation. Mm -hmm. So love her. Varen's the shit. And
3: it's just cool that basically every conversation she has, maybe besides the initial one with the Browns, you can tell. That she is based like one step ahead of whoever she's talking to and she already did all the grunt work of the knowledge part of it before that conversation and she's playing some manipulation games a lot of the times like with Shiryam and all that stuff. I just love Varen and I feel like they're really showcasing how competent she is as a brown and it really like I like when they're highlighting non greens and and yeah. Like, we get Moraine as a blue, which is good enough for the blues. We know the reds are all bitches, kind of. Like, Leandrin is, like, our our face of the reds. It's good to see some of these other colors. Because even in the books, we don't get a lot of, like, the whites. and Yeah, um, the
1: grays. Oh, my the grays. God. I like, I, I'll top my head. I don't know if I could name you a single gray sister exactly, from the books. <laughs> exactly. They're, and
3: they're cool factions. So, I like when you yeah. get to see some of the other colors that we, we're not, like, super used to.
0: And you can choose your faction, correct? Like, yeah. it's not like the sorting hat in Harry Potter, where yeah. you're kind of yep. all put into, based off personality, but okay, because I was just thinking, like, for me, I guess because of the characters that we've had represent each color, like Liandrin red, I just automatically assume, like, oh, like all the red, like Luke was kind of saying there, was like, oh, all the reds are bitches, you know, They're they're just like powerful, just like hate men kind of people, but If you can choose, then that obviously Mm -hmm. doesn't matter.
1: But I mean, it kind of sorts you in that way. Like if you agree with the Red's mission, right? Yeah, then eventually, yeah, you're you're involved in it. You get I mean, I want to say propagandized because I'm team men over here. So (laughs) that's kind of, I guess, in a sense, it works out in a similar way. You pretty much
3: get recruited, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting idea.
0: People with similar personalities are going to just kind of gravitate towards similar.
3: And then also skills come into play. Like if you are a great healer, then you're going to be pushed towards the yellow. Yeah,
1: exactly. I just, again, agree with Luke. and I love the characterization of their doing of the Browns here. And then just this is the I think these two characters are good examples of kind of like how wide reaching they're taking influence into this adaptation. So like Yassica, from what I looked up, is a character that you meet her in like book 10. So it's just cool that like we know she's out there in the world. She technically was alive and doing shit books one through 10. We just didn't hear about it. So it's just bringing her in here. It's just fun that they're obviously, you know, thinking about the whole show, the whole series when they're making these adaptations and changes. And then Naomi, I looked up and I didn't find a single Naomi Sadai. What I did find was that, so in like a community called Tarval and I think .net in like the early 2000s, which was like the OG home of Wheel of Time, friends and community like online, there was like a mod whose name was Naomi Sadai was like whatever like important prominent she ran things she was like at events and stuff and i'm thinking wow. it might be a, an homage to like that that woman would be in real so life. cool that
0: would i be know cool.
1: so i just i'm totally making an assumption here and potentially giving credit where it might not be due but if it is that i just love the idea of that and i just wanted to give it a shout out
3: well i feel better because i didn't recognize any of their names and i yeah. was not going to say anything about it yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's <laughs> no, funny no
0: and you had just said too that varon isn't like a character really until book 10 no 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 varon no. is oh, no, oh. isn't Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, and like you're, you're, no, you were Varen's saying too, how you the, like, like yeah. how, and you like how you were, they like they're kind of making these changes. Whereas in one piece, like we get the whole Garp storyline, and we're like, ah, fuck this storyline, you know. <laughs> we <Well, you, laughs> yeah, can nah, just think like
3: about that. it that if they need to have characters, might as well give them names of people from right. the book, and you can do that those kind of mm-hmm. switches. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so next Veron scene is you know, obviously a bit more meaty, a little bit of a bigger scene. Luke kind of led us into it a little bit. She goes and she pretty much surprises Sheriam, who we've learned throughout a couple episodes, is the mistress of novices. So she's in charge of all the novices. She asks them about, or asks her rather, about Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine. And her response is a bit concerning because she really doesn't know what the fuck's going on here. And I think there's a lot of like subtle wordplay that goes on here and like facial acting that tells us a lot about kind of this interaction here.
2: Yeah, and... It's interesting because like, they, I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to take <laughs> this because yeah, because I didn't know if she was lying or if she genuinely didn't know. And she was just trying to cover up and, and like, cause she was embarrassed that she didn't know where her novices were. Basically like she wasn't doing a good job is initially how I was taking it. Mm-hmm. And she's just like flustered because she's like, Oh shit, you're calling me out. Like, and I don't have an answer. And then she's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. oh, there it is. I see it now. Or she just fucking made that up on the spot. Or if she's in cahoots with Leandrin and that's why she was flustered. But again, I didn't. That was more secondary. I initially took it like she didn't know.
3: But you I got would, an I'd, answer later.
1: Yeah, we could totally combine this with the next scene, which is us kind of getting. You could say an answer, probably the leading hypothesis, because we trust Varen and her kind of deductive reasoning type of deals. So we get introduced to a new kind of concept/slash weave, which is compulsion. So essentially it's the idea that you can like use the one power on someone to do to have them do what you want and they won't remember it.
0: So that's yeah, that's exactly okay. what I was kind of taking it as. Paul, I was the same way with you. Like I was struggling to figure out like, was Shirium is she siding with Landron or was she just completely embarrassed by the fact that she did a bad job but I thank you Kyle for that clarification because it did kind of seem like she was like agreeing with her at some points like you're right like this is weird that I wouldn't know where <laughs> they are like all this stuff yeah. and it did feel like it was a mystery so that clarification is great for me because again Hearing it from you guys is so much easier than, you know, having the show explain it with all their yeah. like the knowledge and how from. sophisticated they are. You know, it kind of maybe went over my head in the moment, but that makes so much sense.
3: Um, my two comments are one, just if it wasn't obvious already, compulsion is as simple as it's Imperio from Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. With the memory loss being a thing. Two things that get brought up here subtly that I'm sure their names have already been dropped, but I'm just gonna reemphasize the excuse was that Egwene and Elaine and Nynaeve were out visiting they're going to visit uh elaine's family in Camlin, right correct and they say uh gawin his name gets dropped i don't remember did they say his i don't want to spoil anything they say that who that was
1: i believe they just meant that it's his name day ceremony
3: okay not a spoiler that's what it's, it's, down. it's elaine's it's elaine's brother so that's yeah one of i the think things. they did say that because that's think what they I did was too. Say. and then yeah. also at some point i forget if it's in the Shireum scene but they talk about Queen Morghese, that's her mother, Um, because she's the, what's, God, I can't remember the, the she's the, the queen. La- no, 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 the, what's Elaine's title? It's the, the she's heir, the daughter
1: heir, of daughter heir,
3: yeah, the daughter heir, so she, this is Morgase is her mother, so just trying, you know, we're going to get a lot of names constantly thrown at you, I don't know how much we're going to see, but Queen Morghese is a big player in the politics of the world.
1: Was Jessica in there just cleaning for her? No, that was she was doing that on purpose. Like Varen and her agreed to that plan where Varen would drag Shirium out of the room. That girl in the opening scene that was cleaning was just a random novice. That was not Yasuka. That was not Yasuka. Okay. Yeah. That's
2: what really fucking confused me. Because I thought they yeah. were the same person at first. She, so, it's, that it's makes kind me of, way more sense.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's hard to tell because she's wearing the novice white, but she has like that brown kind of like overall apron over her. And like the, the yasuka yeah. and Varen are brown sisters, they wear brown, so it's the clothing means a lot in the White Tower. So oh, I guess gosh. if you're ever conf- looking at what people are wearing, again, I, you know, Two River Stitching. Again, they're they're keeping us reinforcing this idea of you can tell where someone's from or what they do from their clothing. The white cloaks. Haha. So, yeah.
2: Ooh, Meditations
1: and- of um, of the Kindling Flame. You guys uh, ever read that one? No, I actually I never heard of it. But oh, OK. Which probably about has had the, it fucking checked out of the library for the past 45 years.
3: The best part of that whole conversation was the, the coining of the term Black Asha. Correct, dude. Alki was... and Dave were loving that when they were when they said it live. They're like, whoa, oh my God.
0: whoa, whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I missed I this completely. What you don't yeah, remember that's... saying that? That's... No, that's what. Like, it's something that's like something that you could just probably make the assumption that they're probably called Black Aja's, but like with the fact that they say it and refer to them as Black Aja's, I'm like, that's so that's tough. I would totally be a Black Ajus. Well, the context. <laughs> she,
3: was... she she was trying to Baron was trying to figure out how Shirium wrote that but didn't actually do it and then they were saying like is it from compulsion and then the other brown says if it was compulsion then that means that you're saying that the black aja exists like, like sworn yeah, like dark into the friends dark. Yeah. that are aja okay yeah
1: because yeah. using the compulsion dark. would be against the three oaths so anyone who was like a true sister of the tower couldn't actually do that because it would she physically is unable to because the oaths would let her mm. so she's uh, the power yeah, there's someone I, yeah. in here that can do that so like yeah. they have to be black aja they have to be i am friend
2: pissed me and Dave didn't bring that up last episode about Leandrin using the one power on all the novices
1: I didn't want to feed it to you Leandrin's also just been like lying pretty consistently and I like I thought episode like two you guys were going to pick up on it and you were like oh i think her 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 ring looks a little black in that light and i was like okay is he going to say and then you literally <laughs> made the prediction paul you were like i think leander's black guy i think it was episode 3 and then the yeah. last episode dave was like oh like she has a good reason to kind of work with the uh, with the shamoy and you were like yeah that's a good point i, I, I did backtrack dark <laughs> yeah and i was like that's the point of a dark friend you fucking work with the dark <laughs> this is I-
0: this is exactly what I was saying last episode is this show makes me feel so fucking stupid for just like so many obvious things that I feel like I should just be predicting. And all these listeners are out here just like loving this, me being an idiot on, on fucking podcasts. It, It was more
2: like her relationship with Nynaeve. That was like throwing me off because I thought she was like recruiting her to the red Aja. I wasn't thinking at all about like, she was actually trying to recruit her like ahead like two steps ahead like for to be a dark friend that's just crazy but well, we were also kind I of mean, like deciding... i feel good
1: a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you a were there bit. i mean you, you could feel 10 out of 10 i feel like you should probably feel maybe 9.75 out of 10 the conversation... i got i got
2: other ones other ones in here that i feel <laughs> well, good about. Yeah, sorry yeah. dave sorry yeah. you do you no, do yeah
0: no i was just gonna say the conversation it just feels like like we were there, we were at the deduction, but like I didn't want to fully commit to the fact that she was a dark friend. I just thought that maybe for the time being it was like a temporary truce, but I guess there's no temporary Any truce. It's thing. either, yeah, it's either you're in or you're out. So yeah. let's talk about her because know. that's the last scene with
3: Varen and that's right here. Because Leandrin yeah. comes back, this is on the other side of betraying the girls. And I'll just yeah. take a call. She, she just comes back, Varen starts, Varen confronts her about the missing novices and by the end of the scene you can tell that Varen went into this conversation with some suspicions mm. and she was like trying to play some games there Leandrin acting her ass off but like how how does anybody that's ever spent 5 minutes with Leandrin know that this isn't just bullshit coming out of her mouth because the way she's like oh my god like we got to go fight figure this out like we got to tell everybody that, it's just like
0: uh. that's kind of what came to my head first off was like why is Varen not being like, uh you're acting a little weird here. You're not acting like your normal Leandrin self. But then I also was, this kind of goes in the comments I was saying earlier about how she's so well-respected. I kind of just thought that, you know, maybe it, it, like she's quote-unquote higher up than Leandrin or maybe like more experienced. And so Leandrin is more formal with her, like she, like how she kind of is with the Omelette seat. I know she Let's kind of pushes back with the Omelette You're on seat. the same level of a step under a sitter, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in the exactly. books...
1: It's really about how powerful you are so they haven't done it in the show and it'll be interesting to see if they don't where it's like if say Dave you've been an Aes for you know 100 years and I was a Gwayne. like once I get raised and I'm like a full sister and like we go out on like a mission together like I would have precedence because I'm stronger
3: just a queen is just more power yeah so like Our they kind of like matters.
1: yeah they uh, maybe it wouldn't be exactly like that cuz obviously you know 100 years difference is a pretty big difference but like they kind of mm-hmm. settle themselves into like hierarchies almost of like physical or maybe not i guess not physical That's- strength but strength in the power i think though it the the characterization of Varen is more that she's very intentional she's very particular she's very calculated so it's like that intimidates she, other like, people if she, yeah if she calls out Leandrin right here like what are the next steps like how do we like, if, if she's right in her head that Leandrin's Black Aja, Leandrin has no handcuffs on what she can physically do. Like, Leandrin could just fuck her up right there, you know, yeah. type of deal. So yeah. I feel like Varen's very, like like Luke said, she's two steps ahead. She's like, you know, she's taking in all this info before she actually acts on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She seemed like she was trying to catch her in a lie. Um, because, you know, if Leandrin lies, there it is. That's what they, she had that mm-hmm. conversation with Jessica earlier when, first of all, like fo, pho- I forget what she calls it, but it's basically photogenic memory, like f- yeah. uh, photographic think, memory.
1: Idactic, idactic. Did I just say photogenic, photogenic yes. memory? <laughs> yeah. uh, it took me a second. But yeah, to you only it. remember the really good pictures of yourself. Yeah,
2: yeah, where you look really good. That's super <laughs> embarrassing. I just said that. <laughs> photographic <laughs> memory. Okay, so one, that's just really cool that that's a thing. I mean, I don't know if that's, I mean, it's the re- thing in real life too, but I don't yeah. know. It seems so, like it's Aaron more. Rogers. More common of a thing in this world. I don't know. It seemed more of a power than just photographic memory. Anyway, it seemed like Varon was trying to catch Leandrin a lie because, like they said, they were going hunting. That breaks the oaths. And the only thing that I could think of, but it wasn't a lie, was Varen said to Leandrin, you know, I was hoping to talk to some novices. Um, you know, she says Nynaeve and Egwene, but all she says is, you know, uh did, did she say that she left with the envoy? Because I don't think she did. All I remember was that Leandrin says, like, oh, I saw a royal envoy, or I heard that a royal envoy going south was attacked. Maybe was that she- was them. We need to hurry. And was that Varen catching Leandrin because she didn't bring up Elaine at all?
1: No, I mean, so Varon uh, gives her that info of like we're looking for whatever. Like she says all of their names.
2: No, Egwene and naive. She doesn't say she doesn't say Elaine.
3: I huh. caught that too Paul because then Landron Le- says like She got me. No, yeah, like that was actually a lie in the way that the the because okay. she never mentioned Elaine. I agree with you because they talk yes. about Nynaeve already being accepted and then Landron says, "Well, we got to find out where the novices are." Like, the, I yeah. thought it was going to turn to that where she was going to say, I never mentioned okay. novices. I never mentioned two novices. That's what I yeah. thought it was, but I don't really. Yeah. They didn't. But that's like it. a variant
1: type of like that, she'll file that one away type of deal. Right. The, yeah. Exactly.
2: And it, it wasn't exactly a lie. It was just like making an assumption by Leandrin, I guess. So, totally. like, that. Well, I know it was like it was an actual lie, but Varen can't call it out as an actual lie because she right. doesn't know that. So, like, she can't use that as evidence. But the fact that Leandrin said a royal envoy going south and Varen didn't bring up Elaine at all makes me think that that was her trying to catch her in the trap. Or at least now she has her inner sights more often because she's
0: suspicious. It's a good while, call. While we're on this topic, can we just cover oaths real quick? So, are they like. Just like a verbal agreement, or are they more than that? So, like, we know obviously in season one, the Amelon Seat there and are Moraine. It's more than that. Because was that an oath that the Amelon Seat and Moraine took that, like, when she got banished? Okay. It's, it's a terrible that uh, rod. Yeah. Spirit, spirit that rod.
1: stick. Spirit yeah, stick, yeah, is, spirit what I was stick it. is like they swear the oaths on that using the One Power, and the One Power physically restricts them from breaking okay, the
0: Okay. Then my. Okay, this might be a spoiler question, then you don't have to answer it. But my next question was going to be then, how would someone be capable of breaking that oath without repercussions? Like, how is Leandrin capable The dark Frame brother. You got to be the dark a, one.
1: That's a big old watch and find out.
0: Yeah, that's what I figured. Because, like, how is Leandrin able to do all this mm-hmm. without oh, any, like, immediate repercussions of, like, you know, oh, you lied, so now you're dead kind of thing, you know? Let's it's not a, it's question. no
3: no yeah okay yeah but let's leave it but yes i think you took away what you needed to from that it's yeah, a physical true. thing and if you can get around it it means that you were yeah
1: okay yeah, something else obviously happened right yeah. white yeah. asparagus yeah. I thought yeah, it was so funny when she's common, like, Leandrin's
3: yeah. like, yeah, I have this one experience, you know,
1: that, like, is only from this one village, and Varen's like, yeah, 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 that only buzzes this one time, and you can only get it. Yeah, she just, like, finishes the sentence <laughs> yeah. where she's like, fuck off, bitch. Yeah, perfect, that was so funny. Perfect she, alibi, already perfect alibi.
0: she already yeah, knew yeah. going into that. Oh, yeah, way Leandrin's too calculated jump. of an alibi. <laughs> way too calculated of an alibi.
3: That was a good alibi, though, because she oh, probably yeah. used the ways to get to a random yeah. con- uh, spot, and then just, yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's it just too good of an alibi, you could yeah. say. Yeah, for Varon, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah, no such thing as... As a perfect coincidence for our gal, those girls Baron.
2: are worth more than gold itself. Like, shut yeah. up, Landry, and you don't What's give a doing? shit about Let's anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you killed <laughs> right. your novice last time you were freaking training mm-hmm. them. Jesus,
0: which I that wonder if that's like a, gonna
1: a nice little pin comment. Oh, go ahead, Dave.
0: Yeah, that was pretty much what my comment was gonna be. Let's pin that because I feel like that death of this student is going to somehow like knowing this show it's going to somehow be like you know <laughs> maybe the second rebirth of the dragon yeah. she killed and then now it's ran, you know something crazy like that i don't know
1: all right i love what you're thinking i love <laughs> what you're thinking okay so if you're all questioning right, oh my gosh they talked about the one tower and le- uh, the one tower the white tower and Leandra didn't mention the actual scenes with Nynaeve and them well don't worry we'll get there in our last storyline fall but before we get there our second to last storyline, Rand and Moraine Sedai. Okay, so this is kind of a direct continuation of episode four, the ending, where it's like, we got to run. So they're running. This is Rand and Moraine, that is. They're fleeing the cabin King Slayer's dagger. They eventually kind of recruit a local farmer, we'll call her, uh, in their bid to put distance between themselves and Lanfear, who is pretty hot on their heels. So I think we talk about... Kind of everything up until like them actually like leaving and like Landfair running on the road. So like we'll they're running down the hill, we kill the horse. Leanne, I mean Landrin, Landfair gets her own horse type of deal and she sets off. I think everything within those kind of two pieces of bread
0: sandwich. One, I just just love how calculated Moraine is, like killing the horse. I mean, sure it's savage and it's it's annoying because like Rand only ever sees like this kind of side of her. It's just like, cause he's yeah. watching. He like, he obviously doesn't want to kill the horse, but she's like, we got to fucking do this right now. Otherwise she's going to chase us. And Rand's like, no. So like, I just love, I know I was saying in the last podcast, I think that that <laughs> it bothered me how much like she's calculated and she's just like going yeah, and going. Do whatever it takes. But like here, it's, it's kind of funny, especially for Rand. But the one thing I took away immediately here is like, as Rand is questioning Moraine about like, what the fuck is going on? Like, There were looks on his face like he kept looking back at this, you know, looking for Lanfear, I guess. But to me, it seemed like, you know, he was devastated by the betrayal, but like he still does have feelings for her. And that was kind of it's really cool how they gave us those like facial clues in the beginning of the episode. And then where we end up at the end of the episode with him, like accepting that he's going to meet with her and talk about their relationship. Like, I just think it was really cool because I I did right away think like this guy is definitely not over Lanfear, even though she was literally just trying to murder him. And Uh, yeah, we'll see. You're right. She's not even, we're not even getting that confirmation because there might be some feelings there. But I just thought it was really good, you know, facial acting by Rand to, you know, kind of show that he still was into Land Fear even after all the events that just happened. And he still doesn't really trust Moraine even after all of season one would happen, you know? Yeah, that internal conflict for sure. That's pretty much.
1: Randall Thor internal conflict. Yeah. That could be like a new name of the series for sure.
2: All right, a few things here. I'm going to write them down the list. I don't know if I'm reading way far into this or not, but when that. Lanfear was like healing herself and she had, I assume it was black because it's like corrupted. I don't know if it's still the one power or like a different source of magic. We haven't really gotten that. I'm not going to ask for clarification and put you on the spot, but it's either a different source altogether or like it still seemed like it was pulling on her surroundings like moraine did with like you know obviously the earth and the air and everything around her especially i think back to episode one you know when she takes the tavern down she's pulling the weeds from the rocks and the stones of the tavern and everything like that and it looked like land fear was like pulling on like the hardwood and i was totally Totally probably reading way too much into that. But I was like, is that because it's wood and it's like yeah. the earth and like that's what she's <laughs> she pulling on the Water to.
1: moisture out of the wood.
2: Uh, yeah. I was like, dude, I don't know, but like it seemed like she was still pulling on her surroundings, is what I was going on. Like it wasn't just like some other crazy
1: power. Um I don't want to put any bumpers on your mind, but that might be a little too far if you're <laughs> thinking if if she's like pulling wood and it's earth weave.
2: Yeah, yeah okay. I will retract on that aspect, but it was more, it's still, is it the one power that it's just black because it's corrupted or is it a different power altogether? That was like the main thing.
0: As a rookie watcher, I'll try and answer your question. Yeah, go ahead. I I think it's, I personally think it's different because we saw at the end of last episode, those like invisible weaves that were going around her. And like, I felt like I was seeing those while she was in the healing process. And then that black stuff came out I don't think that that black stuff was, like, corrupted weaves. Like, again, I think corrupted weaves are only going to be for males, potentially. Again, I have no idea. But that felt like something different. Like, I don't think that... I think it's a different source, basically, is what I'm thinking. Because it felt, like, way thicker. Like, it felt like Venom's symbiote, almost. Like, it looked like Um, Venom's symbiote from Spider-Man. Whereas, like, the weaves that we've seen from corrupted men are, like, they're thinner, they're not as, like chunky i don't know really what i'm describing chunky yeah,
2: yeah. why know. you weave so chunky bro
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm thinking that that might be like some like reserve power that they have not related to the one source because again i the main Who's reason they? i'm thinking that uh landfare i guess like like they as in like maybe the forsaken can pull from something else that's not the one power and ju- the only reason and the only reason again i'm making that assumption is because i think the black is only supposed to be for men and i that's just where i'm at personally but if you okay. want to go ahead and, and i'm only asking that question, because
1: i want to get like your official takedown in the right words
0: basically i just think that black stuff that she was using was not the one power i think okay. that's maybe a side effect of we're on the board baby using. yeah that's it we're on the board. Right.
2: i'm gonna go on the board as it's like a forbidden technique or whatever because she's still using the one power Later on, when she's whipping the horse, which is fucking awesome, she makes a whip out of the one power, and it's not that's black crazy. or anything like that. So maybe like revival of the. Yeah, fucking, that's like an
0: That's another thing. It's like, I don't know. We saw her do that, and it wasn't black. So I'm just. I, I'm thinking they're separate. Hey, bro, you drinking champagne on the pod right now? Mm-hmm. Champagne beers,
3: baby!
1: Oh, ready. got
0: two champagnes. Damn, we're actually going to need a third one,
1: baby. Let's oh, go. <laughs> maybe I'll bring some champagne over after this. Oh, is that a little sixer? Mm. That's getting oh. tossed around.
0: Tall boys, too. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I bought shway-sy. those last week. Actually, now that I remember, you did. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Thank you. Give me another beer. No. Okay. you have but, another one? Okay, go ahead.
2: Keep going, real quick. I'm sorry, that was only my first one, don't and apologize. I said I want to go down the list. All right, Moraine killing the horse. Absolutely no reason. That was just that's just grinding my gears because of course that person comes up. I wanted her to just like slap the butt of the horse yeah, and that's, run off, but that's it the
1: results right there.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I like that it just shows her ruthlessness. The when she does blow up that dude's head and she's getting on the horse, she goes, "Is there anything slower than a horse?" And I'm like, "All right, what are you riding dragons or griffins? <laughs> is that is that what you're like? You want you're you want to that take on the shit? board?" Yeah, yeah, she's used to riding dragons or some shit, or like
3: <laughs> riding dragons. Okay, he kind uh, of well, to,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, she already did.
1: Yeah, we saw last hey. episode. Yeah, two kinds of dragons. Well, so yeah, I don't
2: know what she was referring to, but I was like, dude, horses are like the fastest fucking thing right now.
0: Before you get into your next one, let me just give you credit for being right. We're gonna we're jumping a little bit here, but so you called that Lanfear fell in love with the OG dragon reborn. <clears throat> Which we know, we've seen the time period in which that dragon reborn was from. They had like flying cars and shit. I'm pretty oh, sure there. So there okay. you go. She was probably riding around in one of those fucking Great take, ghost whips. Dave. Yeah. There that we go. Makes so much. But I'm sense, give, But I'm giving you credit, Paul, because you fucking called that shit, and I'm pissed. Like, Again, yeah. I'm just you're crushing. You guys, it. I'm giving <laughs> you credit. I'm giving you credit.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was a good get, Dave. I wasn't even connecting that. But yeah, that
0: was good. But I'm still open to the idea of Landfear riding a fucking dragon. That'd be that'd be awesome another like a third dragon
2: well i meant like an actual dragon dragon not like the dragon reborn I mean, okay, well she's yeah, she's
1: yeah. already rode two of those so the, the third <laughs> one is like a like a mythical one well i guess okay, they're yeah. all mythical uh yeah. i guess like a like a fireball they can probably all be fire if like one that
3: comes,
0: <laughs> that has, that has like scales, scales and yeah. wings yeah there you go there
1: you
2: go <laughs> um and that was about it and be- <laughs> because you i was gonna say list, brother <laughs> i know i was gonna say the whip and the one power we're that's just so fucking busy cool guys me.
1: we're so busy <laughs> just fucking busy guys all right the one i, I want to say i'm
3: putting my take ah, out there then you can okay, clean go. oh wait are you doing it are you cleaning up anything like lore wise mine's a take and it has nothing to do yeah, with oh it.
1: no takes always take precedent
3: okay yeah so i'm just ready to officially put it on the board but i am a diehard land fear stand I like I've loved Celine. I liked her a lot. I like the actress from Peaky Blinders. She's great. But after this episode, I am a absolute diehard Landfear Stan. She is, in my opinion, even more threatening than Ishmael has shown us on the screen. Like she is like ruthless. And Moraine goes on later to say that she was known for her cruelty. And like, I don't know what they did with her when she when the reveal of the darkness was there. Maybe it's like the makeup or how she tilts her head, but she is. Scary now, and it looks fucking amazing. You could just tell in her eyes that she like flipped the switch when she stopped being Selena. Now is full Land fear. Everything she does is just just grips me now. Like I am so on give. Especially the last scene, which I'll I'll save some of that for the end. But I was like ready to jump through the TV screen with that last scene when Rand wakes up and she's just on the throne. Oh, I could I could rant about her all day. I I'll fucking love with for sure Yeah. <laughs> so that's all yeah. I wanted to say is that okay. I will um I'm I like Lanphier more than you guys.
1: So. <laughs> I love it. I'll I'll slide into second place there. The the sound effect of her like using the power when like her just like so she has like her hand down on her side, and, like that little circle, like Krillin's Destructo disc comes up and that guy's head just pops out of existence. The sound effect of all of it was legitimately perfect. The first time I watched, that's when I text you guys. I was like, I'm 10 minutes in and this episode is insane already.
0: We got and to that just, scene. I was like, this must have been where Kyle texted us. Yeah. Dude, I was like, oh my
1: God. I didn't. I just didn't expect them to get that kind of like graphic ruthless yeah. with it, which is fucking awesome. It was um, amazing.
0: Go ahead, Ball.
2: I love the line where she land fears you're saying you know he's still so young I, I must remember that you know like he's he's acting irrational right now he doesn't know any better though that's because I can still forgive him and I can still love him I just have that going on in the back of my mind it's hysterical um and she's,
3: she's thousands of years old and he's yes, he, what is he eighteen? I don't even know what he is. Yeah. In the show. Well, she she says to him last episode like you're too young to have a pass. He's like, well, oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> like not yeah.
1: realizing that she has you know yeah thousands of years of a pass. Basically. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> also gave props to Moraine. You know she's more ruthless than I imagined. Using you as yeah. bait. That chick, that stable woman, got mm-hmm. off a lot easier than I thought she would. You know, get your Why? mouth sewed. Get your I, mouth sewed together. That's it. Just
0: I think I'd I rather to have
1: starvation slowly. Yeah, Dude, i think i would rather just cut it
0: open Ugh. i'd rather <laughs> oh, <yeah>. just <laughs> okay. i'd rather take the head popping i thought she was day. gonna die yeah no, I mean, it sword. sounds like she might die Pop um, my head. but i i just really quickly thing... again go okay on... go ahead now <laughs> no, go ahead
1: we're getting excited you're good
0: <laughs> just the thing is just again how much how little effort it takes the forsaken to just do things is just so incredible like mm-hmm. what i'm thinking here is okay yeah she flicks her hand and again this this woman this guy's head pops off and I'm just kind of thinking like if Moraine had her powers, like what I, she's already freaking out without her powers. Like even if she had her powers, would she even feel like that much safer? It just feels like it's such a threat. And like, we've never seen any of the eyes to die, except for maybe Leandrin, like come that close to like displaying power. But again, that was kind of relative because Leandrin was putting like novices in their place where like landfear's is putting like actual eyes to die in their places.
3: And that's an amazing takeaway because in my head, the Forsaken, they're doing a great job of showing you how crazy strong the Forsaken are. Like we're talking about Aes Sedai versus Aes Sedai. Like the 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 top yeah. Aes Sedai are like, you know, back and forth, but then you get to Forsaken, you jump thirty tiers. Yeah. Now like, I'm like we're on talking the one about piece a whole mindset. different
0: world here. I'm in the mind, yes. one piece mindset of like how the fuck is like our side gonna catch up to this level of like the dark side? Right. It, the power scaling does
3: it's yeah. it's great because you didn't expect this.
0: I guess we just need yeah. to train Egwene and Nynaeve to be fucking bosses because they are the mm-hmm. only hope that I've seen so far for fighting the Forsaken off. And like oh, and they're Reigns. not even hopes because like they're so young and inexperienced, like they need to start don't forget Elaine. Don't forget and Elaine and you're and right. the dragon and the dragon, yeah. Ooh. But they're In still, regards, they're inexperienced,
2: and parents In are wolf. The- <laughs> The dream stuff is crazy, and it was a great on the rewatch. It's it's awesome when she says, you know, ah, they'll eventually they'll sleep and I'll catch up to them. You're just thinking like, all right, she's just gonna ride through the night and catch up. It's like, no, we get the yeah. reveal afterwards. You know, Landfier is able to infiltrate your dreams, and that's what she was known for, and that's why she was the most brutal. So uh, that on the rewatch was great, and also is just like well fuck you know it's just like freddy krueger like that's one of the things you
3: have to do every day doesn't that like reading
1: my notes because you're just pulling exact sentences and words out of my notes that's (laughs) hilarious Paul.
3: but but doesn't this also make season one better when you think back to the first time of the eyes of ember like that was ishy doing this to a lesser capacity and now like when you go back and rewatch it it kind of makes more sense rather than it just being a fantastical like visions it's actually like a concept in wheel of time and they're going to keep getting more and more into the dream world so i'm happy that we're finally talking about it because it's a huge concept because what did
0: who described landfair as like the master of dreams or whatever like she has a mastery okay Yeah. yeah yeah
1: so before we get into kyrian just to sweep up all of this on the road again type of scenes uh just one thing i want to call out one of many things i think i want to call out just they obviously zoom in on her eyes as she's healing and there's like black things going on similar to the black power she's using so there's they're obviously showing us that there's something going on here with her and how she's she's using this power second thing is i love the fact that i don't think we've ever seen ran Kill anybody with his sword, but Moraine now has dipped it in someone. blood twice in two episodes, which is really funny because he carries it with him, but he just doesn't fucking use it. Well, <laughs> he,
0: then... he imaginary sheds blood within yeah. end of season one by stabbing himself. So. Very true. Yeah, we literally
1: only see him stab himself with that sword. And so it was in dream, a dream. So funny... Yeah, doesn't that's, even just count. Like, that's
0: just like that's also a good thing.
3: scene because of the dream stuff. Oh,
0: yep. true. yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. And then we this see shed. her galloping down the road. Uh, Paul called out the whip, which I loved. I didn't even mo- I didn't even notice it on the first watch through because I was looking at what I'm about to call out is that she's riding past and they zoom in. It's like it's like the left maybe quarter of the screen. There's just like a rock with a bunch of like old tongue inscribed into it. That's just like a little eggplant of like,
3: I didn't think it we'll was going to be.
1: I thought it was going to be eggplant. Are we going to get that? Yeah, I that's a little, we might uh, not. A little of one piece reference. We'll see. But it's just like that is an Easter egg. That's maybe we'll come back to this conversation. Maybe we'll not. But again, on long, Dave's theme of this show just does this shit like that's a purposeful, very purposeful okay. breadcrumb that it took up that much of the screen. It's very obvious that there's writing on it. Maybe so we'll get there.
3: I was confident enough that we weren't going to get it that I, that I thought we were going to talk about it. But you rather just wait?
1: Yeah, I think we should. OK, wait. Okay, OK, that's fine. OK. I'm I fairly like- confident based off of things I've been reading on the interwebs.
3: Gotcha. OK, I'll leave it.
2: I feel like this is the thing that you were talking about, episode three or whatever, episode four, when you were like, "They're walking through the woods, and you're like, 'I'll riot, I'll riot if we don't see or get a no. glimpse of whatever.' No, no, talking no, about. no, no, that's not it. We're talking, okay. not it.
3: we're talking more epic. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that
1: stuff is is way more non-negotiable.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: yeah. So the, just this conversation they have here, essentially, Rand now finds out for the first time that he has not actually killed the Dark One. So Mm -hmm. that's, I feel like, quite the blow to his psyche of like, before this, we've mentioned where he's like, all right, I did it. I did what I had to do. Now I just have to manage not being an insane person and killing everyone around me. And now it's we're literally back to square one, even potentially square zero. Oh, no. Maybe negative. negative. Yeah, Yeah, because, yeah, we did negative work at the Eye of the World. So he's like, holy fuck, Um, he, the, the Forsaken Loose, he keeps using Lieutenant, which makes me giggle and laugh every time. But I'm pretty sure the subtitles say Lieutenant, which is just funny. And oh, then wait, so they're saying left tenant, but it's not lieutenant. Yeah. They're just so apparently the right left tenant tenant tenant. is like a is like a classic like fantasy way to say it. I have no idea. I don't they know. They say it in Amazon
3: a lot. Like you're you okay. could be a left tenant. Go. Yeah. Well I was gonna
0: there say with go. this show too, like you know, are you gonna expect a right fucking hand tenant now? Like yeah. is that land yeah. fear Like <laughs> the, subtle, yeah, like the subtleties, I feel language like Language yeah, matters. Yeah, language does matter. And if it's language the left hands, I have a right hand personally. I don't know about you guys, so all right. And
1: then she kind of puts this idea into his head, and subsequently our head again, of the idea that Shamiel released landfear Maybe he'll release them all, and if he does, we'll have no hope. Which is just fun because we know that one of his names is the betrayer of hope. So there you go, and mover of plot. So <laughs> moving into, we're actually in Kyrian. We already mentioned how Moraine said that Lanfear is really good in dreams, master of the dream world. She actually drops the. Excuse me. The old tongue name of the dream world, which is has two apostrophes in it, which is Tel Iron Riyad. We'll just call it the dream world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although Dave, I'd love to see you spell it. And no.
3: not that one. <laughs> that one that <laughs> and that this one is where I literally yeah.
1: wrote she's Freddy Krueger. So I like that Paul made that connection. That's like a very easy one-to-one kind of way to visualize it. And we get into it's just like a lot of conversation going on at this point. We meet Barthanis, who we we learn is marrying Queen galdrian I only really bring that up because I mentioned how I was like, there's usually there should be a king of Kyrian. But in the books, it's King Galdrian. So we have Queen Galdrian, not really against it. We'll see what happens there. But we've kind of put, now put a name or I'm sorry, a face to the name of the nephew who's going to marry the queen. I don't know if we have any takes on Barthanis as a character. I don't know how Just necessary the, it is. The real pretty boy. Yeah, true. He's going to be king, basically. So obviously, if like, they're setting him up to come back as a character, we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it was just a whole weird aspect when he was like, I'm going to be your king, so I'm expecting you to be all good subjects or something like that. And I was like, was that a joke? Because I think you, it was a joke. It didn't seem like you got to laugh a little bit, brother. Like, I don't know. Sarcasm is not as apparent in this world, but I loved the aspect of Moraine distracting him from the blood by like complimenting him and calling him my liege as she like dips out. I'm like, just, yeah, Moraine's just so damn quick, man.
3: Playing games, dude. She's a social manipulator, but you actually, I'll take it Kyle, just Cause it's the next thing that happens is we do get Moraine and her sister in the room. And this is the first time we get to see Moraine vulnerable. And I don't, maybe ever, I don't know if she's ever been this uh, vulnerable, maybe yeah. with Swan, I guess not with bit. another person. Right. And, it was good to see because I feel like she's been she's probably on like on the lower end of the totem pole right now. And the general audience r- makes complete sense. She's kind of just been a mean to all of our main characters because yeah, yeah, she's of thinking about meanie. the big picture. I'm always thinking about her thinking about the big picture. So I always forgive it. But it is cool that she like is lost for the first time. And her sister realizes that I think talking it out really helped. And then she was hundred percent correct in saying, if I make the wrong decisions here, everybody in the world, in the history of the world, can die. So, like, I the weight is is worth talking about, and I like that it's a reminder for viewers, like, yo, know, like, you hate Moraine all you want, but without her, we we don't even get this far.
0: Yeah, I feel like yeah. without this podcast, I feel like I, as a viewer, I would have needed to hear that because we on this podcast talk about all the time how she is literally just pedal to the metal she needs to get things going and so for us it's easy to remember that but you're right for the the typical viewer they might just be thinking like oh, moraine she's you know she's being so mean to everyone why is that here we get that reminder
2: when the future king introduces his mother she cuts him off real quick when introducing him to Moraine. yeah we've met i gonna try to yeah, bang him great. earlier
1: that was that great was just- I love how oh, they well. just left it there, too. There was no explanation of, like, we just ran into each other at a party. It was, like, totally was, like, we could take that a different way. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: One very small thing. Last episode, we were talking about whether or not Moraine ever visited her sister after she went to the White Tower. We It seems like we got confirmation here that she visited, last time she visited was 20 years ago. So he was at least born by then. Yeah. So she didn't completely abandon all these decades. Mm-hmm. So just some interesting information best scene
1: ever yeah so they have this little basically uh anvir her sister convinces her that she can stay and there's another way to go about things this is when she kind of i guess has that epiphany also last thing i'll say is that i mean it must be this might be a crazy take but her oldest her younger sister what Oh yeah, no, absolutely, I'll I'm back you. i would, yeah, like, like, I might, I might, slap the one. uh the Gulf acronym on her.
0: <laughs> absolutely, so, I'm with you so just, on that one.
1: Just in you know, in the interest of pure honesty, I, I think I'm there. I think we want to get real yeah. personal with our viewers.
0: Here we yeah, see. I mean, <laughs> I, I
1: really think I'm there. Shout out to her. She's got options. Why would she go for you, bro? Come on. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I mean, we have like a super popular Wheel of Time podcast, so like. We'll, we'll help bring honor to the Damadred red name i'll take her name so that it stays in the family type of deal i have i have things to offer okay. dude
2: the way well, she pulls apart moraine right here she's like dude i know you you don't have a plan you always have a plan you don't have a plan you're freaking the fuck out she
1: would look at you and just tear you apart well yeah she <laughs> just wants to she can she can <laughs> dominate the relationship
0: it's like, oh. She would look at me and be like, oh, that is the left-hand man of Ishi right there. So, <laughs> Gotta get in with him. <laughs> she will probably kill you? Okay. No, no, she would love me.
1: For my power. <laughs> so, speaking of Moraine's plan, we now learn in this somewhat final scene, it is the final scene of their... Oh, it's the final scene of the episode too. Wow, double final scene. That her plan is basically, hey, Rand, go act like you love this woman. So, he's gonna fall asleep. He's gonna try to convince her that he still loves her and maybe he does in real life. Who can say? But that's kind of the big plan is like, all right, we're going to go to her instead of just waiting for her to come to us. I love how I'll, this will be my initial take. We'll talk about everything afterwards. Just love how it's it's your chance. It's your choice, Ran. I mean that this time, which just like a really fun little like nod to everything that's happened between them. I really
3: like mm-hmm. that. This is so, so we're going to talk about this scene, then the forsaken scene and then the final scene. No, I think we can talk about the final wheel
2: dream. Here, oh, uh-huh. wheel dream because he was definitely tied to a wheel. What does the forsaken
3: conversation people. fit in then? Farm of in the in the teller in the dream world. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Just in general, I'll I'll throw some thoughts out there for this, but. Yeah, like you pointed out a good part there, but one thing that Moraine even says takes it a step farther confirming Paul's theory about the Dragon Reborn and landfear the original Dragon Reborn or the last Dragon Reborn and Landfear being a thing. And she, he actually loved her back until he met his wife, which I don't think we have a name for yet. And then yeah. that broke her heart so bad that that is what actually caused her to go to the Dark One side, which... Great little subtle lore there. Kind of explains her whole character. And then yeah. it really, really escalates with this next scene. But I'll I'll wait until you guys say what you want to say.
2: Yeah. I mean, just to go back to Moraine and her sister talking, when Moraine finally comes out and saying, you know, Ren needs protection and I can't provide it. Her sister's so good. Like, oh, my much older sister gave me advice yeah. one time, you know. And she goes through the whole thing. And then Moraine eventually is like, it's good. Excellent advice. Wasn't it? It was very excellent. <laughs> advice. Yeah. Sounds I sounds like love you. Moraine. Yeah. Just tooting her own horns, Just a little bit. Um, Just phenomenal. And the reveal to Moraine was given to Rand. All that was so good. And I'll just, you know, say it. I have never been so jealous of Rand when he was just shirtless tied up and <laughs> Pierre yes. was just staring at her. I was like, you look incredible up on that throne dominate me. I don't care like that was just she looks so good
3: she was finally yeah so good. oh yeah, dude. I did not see that I I was saying like when you're when they're doing the close in on Rand's face, like the actor and he's closing his eyes and he's about to wake up. I thought it was just gonna be landfear like standing over him like haunting of hill like house or whatever. i was like i was like open your eyes be there be there be there and then what it turned out to be i was like this is the best way ever to end an episode like this is one of the only things that could have happened to end it like this and i was like whoa this this might be up there with the last episode as best of the series like these two episodes for
0: me are probably my favorite of the series i got two words for you S tier. Let's fucking go, baby. S <laughs> tier. We're jumping the gun, baby. Bottom of the S tier for oh, me man, in dude, here, dude. This, this episode I really do like I mean we have more to talk about obviously, yeah, but yeah. I just this episode really opened my eyes and just this episode I feel like was is what <laughs> was Wheel it this one or time. the last one? All of them, but this one just doubles down <laughs> just playing, on like yeah. this is like Wheel of Time. Like the the subtleties, like the world drops that we get like early on in season 1 that come back here. We get I still get surprised and like twists every three minutes here. Like I just, the show is incredible. (laughs) Like, I don't know what this conversation is going to look like. I don't know if they're just going to hate hate each other by the end of this, or are they going to just start fucking on the wheel? Like, yeah, Rand says, Rand says,
2: you know everything between us wasn't a lie there was something there and you can tell like you're saying he was looking back like he actually gave a shit he was pissed at moran for killing her Mm -hmm. so uh, he was definitely feeling something especially because he was given this fact that you're the first person to not view me as a monster and all that fact so there was like a certain i don't know if it was grooming if he could just blame that all on her grooming him for a little bit but there was something there
3: Mm-hmm. and did you guys get um ragnarok hella oh
2: a-
0: that was like my first thought absolutely and then better i kind of hella yeah, Hela. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she then, looked my,
2: exactly like
0: that exactly yeah. and then my other thought was everything everywhere all at once when like there were rocks basically in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah. that's kind of also the scene that i was picturing but yeah Whoa,
3: that better be opening scene of episode six is that or else why even have an episode i four? will i will ah, bet that feels that like a little is.
0: teaser no nah, i feel like it's gonna be it it's gonna okay. open Alright, is it. that a
1: take? Put it on the board? I'm going to write it down. Put it on the board! That's a- Ravel, 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 ravel. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be our last opportunity to talk about anything Ran, Moraine, Lanfear. It seems like we got it all out, out of our system.
3: I'd melt if I was in the same room as her.
1: <laughs> she would probably do it herself she would love to just watch the skin melt off your bones and just in right.
3: the vibe of just locker room talk since you guys were allowed to say the guilt thing <laughs> am I wrong that she got hotter when she became dark like this oh okay. my god yeah yeah that level of confidence yeah,
2: eyeshadow just oh, goes up a bunch like threefold which automatically we're makes talking. you hotter oh threefold
1: with her... bro you talking about the threefold land <laughs>
2: hell yeah I'm <laughs> totally totally on purpose
0: <laughs> crazy is definitely hot i just immediately think of azula <laughs> just from wow. Avatar, i love it. these comparisons right are on yeah. point yeah and if you're evil and crazy i'm in <laughs> <That's it. laughs> all right i'm ready all right
1: the final bucket the final location the final storyline the final battle oh my god you like that we'll get there so farm this opening scene is going to be we're taking it back we're going to turn the dial down a little bit of our intensity and our passion because we get lady sarath who was the woman that was on the palaquin when we were in atuan's mill so she returns to Fam. she returns to a very muted intense court i would say and we're introduced to her superior so we were kind of stumbling over like how high is she is she the empress is she not is she the queen type of deal so we meet a superior of hers which is high lord turok he is the royal commander of the Hellenae, which means forerunners essentially in the old tongue. And we also see a very familiar face. Who steps out of the crowd. So, yeah, obviously, everything open, as always, in this scene. I know, I think what I know we're going to start talking about, but we can talk about all of it.
0: Let me just say that all I needed was one scene of Pat and Fane to have him back in the top three.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even say anything, but he did whistle, and that got me going. I just need to see his
0: face, and he's back in the top three favorite characters. I love him, but no, seriously, like... Great seeing Pat and fan again. And just again, we're coming full circle with this. Like, what were they planning on doing with the Horn of Lear at the end of season one? Here they're trying to make, uh, I'm assuming they're trying to make a truce with, you know, this, this person who has this, I'm assuming has this huge ass army. Like, that's very capable. We've seen the Sean Chen in action. So clearly very capable. Um, and he, I, I think it's interesting that they're actually willing to give up the horn to give it to this person rather than just hold it themselves. I'm sure that'll come back around when we get there but great seeing Pat and fane and this new guy i just thought it was funny that he also high lord tarak also had long fingernails i think that's just hilarious that's that that's yeah i guess if you're superiority in, in this town, you just have long fingernails. So, in so the fact they executed comment. the fingernails. Yeah.
1: Too, just to comment on that, he does say, or he says through his voice, that like, you know, you, you're allowed back when you're more presentable. I took that as you're allowed back when your fucking fingernails are back.
0: Grow back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, this scene was great, except four fingernails up and four fingernails down, and nobody died. Yeah. Kyle, we were talking about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe because slightly they were like slightly crossed and her wrists were reversed. Maybe I'm making excuses for her, but I was <laughs> yeah. a little pissed the inconsistency of the fingernail movement. Um, I thought it was pretty crazy that he, being Tarak, spoke when. Padden Fane introduced the horn, you know, because obviously it's a huge thing. He doesn't speak. He has his dude to do it for him. But as soon as Padden Fane came up with that, he spoke before they could even finish a sentence because he was so excited um, and so happy. Uh, The entire time with the fingernails and he's operating the box, all I could think about is, I got 10 people on hold, but I can talk (laughs) from fucking family guy with the fingernails. And he's like, Yeah. Yeah when he's the secretary uh <laughs> it's the only thing i could think of because like he was struggling with that box and and they didn't show us the horn and i don't know if they know what the horn even fucking looks like so bit. Of it. we did get oh, okay. a little
3: bit of a side glimpse and that was going to be one of my comments was it actually looked pretty cool but i'm happy that they're going to save the reveal
0: for a future right. date but i think so what it's you're not going like, that is like paul like it's not maybe a known thing what it looks like they could have easily presented something that wasn't the horn is Fake money in a briefcase yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: basically is yeah like pr- it's just phony big fat phony and there's
0: no way so, for
3: us to know yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and yeah and there's no way for anyone. even like book and readers, kinda, like we don't know yeah,
0: yeah. This,
3: this whole storyline's a little
0: that kind of goes different. into what I was just saying about like why would they want to present the horn to this random person rather than just like holding on to it for the dark one and just like holding on to it and just knowing that it's not with the the dragon reborn I, so we'll see. Well, isn't it and, because it bought Suroth like not like a death penalty or something? Like what was
3: wasn't it a gift to make sure or what did I miss? No, it was a gift, but I don't know why it was
1: more, I feel like, of the I guess they're both gifts.
3: Like why did it I, mean, I, okay. I think we'll find out?
1: I mean, obviously it like happens in a different way. But I mean in the books, Patton Fan gives it to
3: him. Yeah. I just don't know. But like is she's not involved to in this, is like and was this a way to like absolve Surath of some of the I think it's more of a on. way of
1: like so we learn a little later on towards the end scene that like Turok is not I mean, he at least he's not presenting as a dark friend. He literally says that like the Sean are guided by the light to fight right. the dark. So I'm thinking of it as a way of like, yeah, obviously they have Surath on their team, but Siroth's kind of nothing compared to this guy. So like they prefer to butter this guy up.
3: And he says with this, the whole world will be ours. So that again, yeah. more clout for the Horn of Valir, even if it's the, not the real one, like you guys are saying. But either way, the Horn of Valir is legit.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it's interesting i just there's been i feel like a lot of book deviations but we haven't even brought them up because i'm not thinking of them in the moment while we're having these conversations but this like you said is is somewhat of a dv i mean one of the big things in the book is that like they don't fucking know how to open the box i thought it was funny that he just like just just, as a book reader something i'm like ah he won't be able to open it and he just like opens it and i was like oh my god okay they know how to open it (laughs) (laughs) so that was just a funny thing also FOM looks way different than i pictured it i feel like there's like a huge palace there which in my head, it was always just like a little dirty fishing port village. Mm-hmm. So I think it
3: looks cool.
0: The it's, setting looks great, It's though. very
3: it much more powerful. And it's it's cool because you can tell we're in a different part of the world than where yeah. Rand and Moraine are. That's, it's like a, that's a
0: deserty, but also like tropical vibe to it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind living there. Would you the, live there under the Shanshan? It's like mm-hmm. the... You swear uh, the they're, they're too terrifying. They're well, like freaky. I mean, even if the townspeople might think they're good, I would just look at them and be like, these people are... Easily evil just one by how presentation looks.
2: Speaking hey, of sw- swearing oaths, um, sorry, Luke, were you gonna say something?
0: No, 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 go. We're more important, Paul. Just
2: get your thoughts. Obviously, <laughs> I speak way too much. But uh, uh, the next scene when Ishii and um Siroth, Sir. Siroth. Siroth. I have Sirach for some reason because it's probably don't Turok. hate that. Sure, yeah. 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 All right, so uh they are talking and she's pissed at him because. She literally looked back at him during before she got her fingernails chopped off, and he was the one that was like, Neil, just do it, just go along with it. So, obviously, she's answering to him. She's pissed. Um, she's paying the price, even though Ishi is the one that needs her for her army and her ships in the war to come. She tries intimidating him, and immediately yeah. she's like, she Oh, for- a, yeah, she rolls yeah. a critical miss. <laughs> I forget myself, my lord. Yeah, but this critical is where she miss. said she like swore her oaths to the dark so there's constantly the uh, the idea of oaths there's the ice dios there's the oaths at the swan Chan, sean chan not swan chan sean <laughs> swan. chan like they make you do the oaths as well they they seem less like binding and they're just more like yeah you're one of our people now but now there's like oaths to the dark as well so i want to know what that is so i don't i don't know that just seems like obviously a big part going forwards so, otherwise saying an oath means nothing in if you can just break it easily but obviously there's more to be uh revealed hopefully at least and then last thing he looks at like her broken fingernails right before she walks away as like a mid- basically
0: a middle finger like fuck you
1: yeah like i oh, gotta check these little babies out like how short they are you loser
0: <laughs> i just think it's interesting that sarath in when she was in jail or whatever that was um like talking to ishi saying you need my armies and This kind of counteracts what I was talking about is with them presenting the horn um, to Tarak because I thought it was a presentation to him to get his armies, but she is like explicitly saying here that it is her armies. So now I'm kind of back to ground zero of okay, why are they presenting the horn to Tarak if maybe there was a way to bypass, like, if we didn't need him and we just needed Sarath, like we would just take Sarath. Like we wouldn't need Tarak, but there's a reason why we're presenting the horn to him. If not for his armies, because we already know Sarath as him. So it's just like, where are we at here with like, what is Tarak's purpose in all this? You know, that's the one I'm basically yeah, asking. I don't think we can give you any answers. No, I, Yeah. It's just there. kind of, yeah. I, I like shouting things out into the void. Just, but it's not even
3: course. like a, it's, it's, it's more of a deviation from the book thing than rather than us having an answer that we're going back. Yeah. I feel I'm like it's a, in.
0: it's like a
1: way to interpret what she's saying. Like, I feel like Varen, Maybe she interprets in it head, a different way. She yeah, also, I, in her I, I think it's might... more of like a like an unreliable narrator type deal. I've said that a lot, but of the idea, like I feel like she's thinking steps ahead, where it's like we're gonna remove Tarak, like that's gonna be my spot, that's, and then they'll be my armies, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah type of thinking. deal. Yeah, that's the way I took it. I don't that that's not a spoiler. I think to talk about that because no, again, that's I'm how I not took really it too. Sure, what will end yeah. up happening either? So
0: that's how I took it.
3: Two to, to yeah. my two comments for this these scenes, we kind of hit everything that I wanted to talk about, but the one was you get a glimpse into how we were talking about earlier with Avienda's culture and like the, the I like you get little glimpse of how they talk and things that are important to them. Same thing with the Sean Chen here that I took a, I wrote down a quote that I'll say in a second. That's what Robert Jordan excelled at. And people really love about the wheel of time is when you're in different areas of the world, you know, it, you know, it really well by their clothing that he overly describes the way they (laughs) talk their traditions. You know, the culture is like so distinct and it's very unique. Like a lot of, fantasy nowadays is copy and paste of like you know whatever it is but this is where he hot, where he shines and one of the things that she says here is you may be chosen but you are not of the blood that is yes. a complete Sean Chen thing that they care so much about like the purity of like the blood and, like who you're I don't want to say related to but you know what I mean like your blood it yep, matters so that's that just is. like a little thing and just pay attention because the Sean Chen are different from the Aiel who are different from the two rivers who are different from the Aes Sedai like everybody is very unique that was the one piece and then the thing that she says, <laughs> nice. The thing the that is, she says here is that Tarman Gaiden will be fought here in farm with the real dragon. I, so that was just hype, like just build up. So I did say, have Paul. that,
2: I did have that note uh, at the very end. I was going to bring that up. She, he said, correct me if I'm wrong, like we will win the last battle here and the dragon will join us. And I had Tarim Gaiden. Tarman. Is that what it was? Tarman. Tarman Gaiden.
1: Yeah. It just means the last battle, right? It's just the last battle in the old tongue.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like, And they then me,
1: they literally mentioned that that's like kind of it'll end up being like winter is coming from Game of Thrones. It'll always be yeah.
0: like, you know, a guide and like the last battle type of thing. I'm glad like, you brought actually. up like mm-hmm. not of the blood thing, Luke, because at first it was kind of confusing to me because I think the first time that that gets dropped is in the conversation between Ishii and Sarath. So she is telling him that he's not of the blood. So I'm thinking like, okay, is she a direct like descendant of the Dark One or something like that? But then... You made it clear as well as the show, yeah. like kind of going in saying, like, that's more of a cultural thing it's rather than like, thing, yeah. yeah, rather than her calling out Ishi for not being like part of the Dark One. Mm-hmm. And
1: they mentioned, um, they mentioned Luther Pendrag. I'm just gonna say, like, I'll make that connection for you. It's more like about that, like, it's he's like the head of their kind of culture, historical myth- mythos type of deal. And like, next, back to the return, the, if you guys, yeah, remember the that concept. That. yeah. Okay. they'll reinforce all these things, but obviously, I think it's beneficial for us to also reinforce them outside of the show. Because they don't want to just smack you over the head like it, like we are right now. The one comment I'm gonna make is that he says, written in the skies above the city, Paul. So I know you were excited about the idea of the dragon in the sky. So just wanted to call yeah. that out for you. And yeah, then now I'm reading that. my notes again of like how we're saying, like what she's thinking about like my armies type of deal. And he she says like we should just kill Turok. And he's like, yeah, you fucking imbecile. Like, you're not thinking deep enough type of deal. So, it's there's a plan beyond, like, she knows there's a plan kind of beyond what's going on. So, I think that reinforces that idea. And the scene ends with him saying, I got a present for you. And we're going to get right into that present kind of on the way in the mail, in the UPS, AKA the Ways. So, they gave us the little Ways teaser in the beginning of the episode, which is like, okay, you know. Red alert, we're maybe going to get the ways again this episode. It's Leandrin kind of dragging the, we'll call them the Wonder Girls, through the ways, And then her and Nynaeve have just a conversation here. Again, Paul, we're talking about the Oaths here. We get background on the Oaths as well in this scene.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. A thousand years ago, a king made them bind themselves to the Oaths because he was scared of their power, which, you know, got to have some limitations, right? Smart of that king hopefully we learn a little bit more I just I just like the history behind it and why everything is like it is, especially because you know three thousand years ago they had you know different I guess they didn't have os back then because you know if the O's are just a thousand years old, those are a new thing. So it's just like an interesting thing. If you like the about. lore,
3: man. I have uh 14 books I can recommend you <laughs> yeah, might, yeah. Be interested.
2: Yeah, in. somewhere <laughs> <Yo laughs> oh, too. I got them
1: all
3: right here.
2: The fact that Leandrin has broken many more of the oaths than just lying. Again, Dave is kind of talking about that. How do you get rid of the oaths? Or I assume it's something to do with the dark, dark. or the dark one or some of his power and he can like save you somehow or take the oaths away or something or other but just looking forward to that because you know you got to have rules otherwise what's the point and just the realization of Nynaeve that Leandrin was recruiting her not to the Red Aja but to like the Dark the whole time mm-hmm. that's just you know it was kind of eye-opening and then on the rewatch it's probably going to do really uh, I'm just going to respect it more all the conversations they have together because like that's- I said Nynaeve like Leandrin was the first one to make Nynaeve smile after she came out of the arches. So there was some
0: type of relationship there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Wheel of Time, the old rewatch, the old reread.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much I'm bought into Leandrin being a Black Aja. Like she might be a double agent of some sort. That was kind of something that <laughs> I mean, not Yeah, that you yeah, guys have for her. That was kind of me and Alki's talk is like, is she a double agent? Because she does, you know, she lets Nynaeve go, but is that also just a way for her to just cause chaos for this girl who, you know, has been calling her out for these things. Just something I'm asking out yeah. there, but what triggers like Machin, what is it called? Machin Shin. Machin Shin. It's, so they mentioned it's, it's the channeling power. the one power. Yeah. So, oh, so when you channel in the ways that would mm-hmm. trigger Ma Chin Shin to appear, yeah. Here.
3: And what mm-hmm. caused it in the season one, uh, it was like
0: episode seven or
3: six or whatever. No, it wasn't, it, it was, it, I think it was oh, Moraine okay. trying to reopen the door and because no, it was ran. It was Ran. What did he do? Rand he...
1: saves Egwene from the Trolloc, and he channels. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, and it's but funny. we don't even know it. I'm we did not know it my... at the time, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at my notes from that episode, and like the one thing I have is Perrin is able to see in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You sweet summer child. Yeah, I wonder why that was. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he got a Trolloc
1: wound on his leg. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Transforming into exactly, a wall. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> Quick question here. Um, So the fact that the three of them are shielded and bound like moraine when if she did it to her when you just get shielded like a stronger person does it to somebody lower that's not actually casting anymore it's just one cast to shield them and then that's it it's not a continuous one because otherwise she would be using the one power in the ways
1: they're not shielded at this time from my knowledge
2: she says you're bounded and
3: shielded
1: okay they
3: that's must a have been point. because egwene and yeah. elaine would have been a problem
1: yeah and then i guess yeah she essentially ties off but i guess they're not like they don't know how to use the power enough in the in the way that gain did so like they didn't yeah i wait, guess that's so, maybe potentially a, i don't want to say a plot e- hole but
2: it's either a plot hole because technically like when they shielded gain, they all needed to do it continuously so that was my question because she's literally using channeling inside the ways. so it's either she learned how to tie it off from you know ishi because she's obviously working with him or that was just like it didn't make sense to me at all i forget so.
3: about the my interpretation
1: is going to be that she knocked them out so i'm assuming it's easy to shield someone who's physically incapacitated that's how i'll take it that's they were unconscious she placed a shield over them
3: no but plus plus the idea that leandrin is i mean all of the eyes to die women are way weaker than Logain mm. compared to leandrin yeah. Like that could be but, part of it too. I don't really know. I don't. Know. I'm but just thinking I mean the
1: girls are strong as he
3: is, our,
2: is. I just listened to our season 1 finale coverage of it. We we're really really funny and smart and <laughs> handsome sounding. Um <laughs> but like you were going on the fact that the fact that Ishi who was the dark one at the time whatever could tie a knot and keep that shield on was just my like brown at the time. I Sedai didn't know how to do that, so okay. you know, it's either Leandrin learned how to tie, so they continuously stay shielded, or like I don't know. It doesn't make sense anymore because it's like a it, it's a product of single casting versus continuous casting. If so that this makes part sense.
3: is slightly accurate to the book. I can't remember what happens though because this is so long. Ago. In the book,
1: they're not. They're not knocked out like they go willingly.
3: Right. Okay. Like lanterns.
1: I- like this is this is a mission like we need to go and they're like okay.
3: It's just guesswork Paul at this point so we yeah. get more information about either shielding or tying off weaves because we don't know what the show's going for. But you're right. It's something that I didn't think about it till you just brought it up but it doesn't. It isn't perfect. You're right. This is the
1: perfect opportunity to plug our YouTube comment section. If you have a better take mm-hmm. hit us with it. All right. And they will so Yeah, yeah. Well, I I would hope so. Jeez. So we exit the ways. We are greeted by Surath. is our little Sean Chan greeting party. Helmetless Surath, which is interesting. She's just showing her face out in public and she doesn't have her little voice with her, which is just funny because she gets in a little bit of an argument with Leandrin. And it turns out that maybe that wasn't the best idea because of what happens afterwards. But I think we'll just talk about, obviously, I think, you know, we'll talk about everything before Nynaeve and elaine enter valma later on their own just kind of this whole quote-unquote battle scene we mentioned earlier that liandrin kind of lets 90 free we can talk about why we think she did that
3: everything before she releases 90 no i think everything like
1: you know she walks in they have the argument she releases 90 they have the little fight a gets captured
0: okay sarath's design was very interesting i actually when she took off the mask i don't I don't know what I was expecting, and it wasn't that. I kind of dig the hairstyle a little bit. It's pretty fresh. And or lack thereof. You know, yeah, I guess lack thereof. Yeah. Um, but to, uh, Leandrin is just a case, man. I don't know what her fucking plan is, man. I think she genuinely the reason I think she let Nynaeve go is, yes, there's obviously a relationship there between the two. Like I think they are. They wouldn't say this, I think, in the moment, but I think they're friends for the most part. and. <laughs> I I think think, Nynaeve's out on that. Probably, but I I think maybe also part of it was that Leandrin again just wanted to cause chaos like this. this Sarath was just talking so much shit on her and I love the line that Leandrin hits her back with is like you'll bend the knee to me or whatever she says right there. It's I think that's so hard Um, but I, it's 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 crazy because I mean Leandrin we've seen her betray obviously the ice die and everyone but now we see her kind of clashing with people within the dark ones like army, so I really don't know where she's at. And we haven't really even gotten a confirmation that she even is a black Aja. Like, I'm looking for the ring, I'm looking for like a getup or some sort that's dark or like black related, and there's nothing. My guess is going to be double agent. <laughs> it's going to be a I don't know, okay. it's, it's you put simple. That, I'll put
2: that one on the board, yeah, crisscross, double, double agent. Um, kind of, I mean, just because they're working together doesn't mean that Leandrin likes the actual person. And you know, she does kind of want to see, you know, uh her get knocked down a peg. So by releasing Nynaeve, Leandrin's giving her the ability, Seroth that is, to just like get embarrassed and literally probably lose favor with Ishi and the higher ups because she's causing issues now. Um, but a few things, one Leandro's saying what you do to these women is an
0: abomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul was pretty... right. Number two. Paul was right. Number two here. Because I'm pretty sure you called it. Right. Like why? Like how they force these women to do.
2: Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Kinda. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you, you. Yeah.
0: I'll give it to you. I mean, you said <laughs> land. I didn't know. If love got... in this one
2: confirmation 100 percent or not but i i okay it seems like yeah they take these women because that's what they they force them to channel and we got a lot of that going on as the escape happens and it's great because it almost seems like each channeler has like a handler if you want to call it that with the gauntlet on and they're just mimicking the moves that they're doing so by doing that they can kind of use their source of the one power but control what they do with it so i don't know just a really cool concept going overall but i just like the fact that Leandrin's character stays true to the fact that you know what you're doing to these women is an abomination and horrible these women should be free to be able to channel by themselves so i'm working with you not because i like you and like what you stand for it's because i need something out of it
3: let me take a crack at some of this lore, Kyle, and then you clean up what I missed because Paul. So the term that you're looking for for the handlers is the Suldan. She goes. Sarath goes on to say, like the whole purpose of this of this initial part of the scene is it establishes the rivalry of the two quote unquote dark friends. We'll say for now between their thoughts on the power. Right. Mm-hmm. the t- The name of this episode was called Demone. Demone are the names of the baby benders that we're saying with the binkies. Suldan, mm. Suldan, mm. right. Sildam. It's with an M at the end. Suldam, Suldam are the ones that are controlling the baby benders. And what Sarath goes on to say is that the Suldan trained for years to have the right to control the baby benders. I'm going to keep saying that because it's the alliteration just sounds great yeah. off my lips. Um, But yeah, so that's that's the terms. And it's a little, they threw a lot. Like I was listening to it and I was like, this all obviously makes sense to me and Kyle. I'm looking at like, Al, uh, like Alki and Dave. They go on to talk about Damane, like being the, the baby benders. But then they also say Marath Damane which is the name, Kyle, am I going too far here with talking about what that means? No, you're good. Okay, cool, because I didn't want to, I don't, you could just pick it up from the implications of what she's saying is she calls Leandrin a Marath Damane. It's the name that they have for Aes Sedai specifically. Damane yeah, just are means who, like
1: unleashed ones.
3: Yes, yeah. So that's why she's saying, like, I'm gonna put a collar around your neck and make you a, a demone, like you're a marathimone, whatever. That's like the whole terminology that they have going on. And I'm hoping that the more they talk about it, like the more obvious it is. But that
0: was like the whole purpose of that. Sorry. So just quick summary. So demone are like, baby, they can, baby Baby, baby benders. benders, and then there's holders that also can channel, but they use. That's not no. what they said. Yeah.
1: yeah. They 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 do the movements, but like. If you see, like, uh, back when we were fighting at Atuan's Mill and kind of here, like, they do the movements, like Paul's saying, but there's no power, like, coming out around them. It only comes out around the baby benders.
3: And skipping to the end
1: because of the if episode. Because they, if they could, could channel, they would be in chains.
0: The, anybody that they find. And who is, who is, like, what is it, an honor to be, a holder? or a? It's holder. an honor to be a holder. Okay. So yeah, if you remember You're, you're back, like, you're
1: bending them to your will. You're training them. Even though they have all this power, like, they're obedient to you who theoretically it has no actual like physical like one power power what
3: okay. you're supposed to take away from it is the sean jenner uh, if you want to use the word racist towards towards channelers or like they just they encapsulate them and or right. they enslave them basically Even you know, they meant, say or,
0: it's like it's being racist from our perspective for them it's like an, well i guess they're saying the holder is an honor being a demane is yeah okay, yeah they're right, meant to right. be yeah. enslaved
3: yeah. Okay. and yeah. if yeah. you think back to the parent episode of the the big fight with like where uno died the next day after they have the baby banners going around picking out anybody that could, they're yeah. like, grab her, grab um, her. Cause, yeah. Cause they're gonna, they're gonna enslave them and make them more Damane. And that's why they're saying Marath Damane are the trained channelers, being the Aes Sedai, who are a different level. Okay. So, like, they're saying, like, you guys are an abomination. You guys should also be Damane. Like, you should be enslaved that, for
0: us. That clears. They
3: us. hate like they're basically anti-benders unless you're under this terror, terror or whatever. This unless you're yeah. under the collar, yeah. Of whatever yeah unless they you're have. chained, and so they can control yeah. you. And that's the end scene when Um Iguain gets chained, and you see the collar get on her, and then also like the um weave
0: coming out the back that
3: connects to the soldan that's going to control her. So that's okay. like the whole concept. It's a lot. I know I just talked right there, but that's yeah. that's what it is. And once you once it clicks, like it's it's. It's no, a, I, think, just, and and I that's think that's like that's the that point, like
1: Egwene's arc will introduce us to like all of that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. we're
0: going to find out a lot more specific. I figured, but that anyway. basic knowledge right there honestly helped me a lot. Yeah, um, I figured it was worth I, talking it out. Yeah. And I, yeah. and to go into a little bit more, I just I really do like the perspective of how, like how they view channelers versus how the Aes Sedai view it. So it, it's that cultural distinction yeah. that makes it mean, like, so
1: unique. So like Red Aja go kill male channelers and the Sean Chan just enslave all channelers. Right. Yeah. So, well, I we guess all women channelers. Well, they I was don't gonna say we haven't concept, seen any of this at yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. So quick question. Um once Nynaeve gets released and whatever, even if Leandrin didn't release their bonds, wouldn't Egwene still be able to channel?
1: Does
0: yeah. she do that? Doesn't she still channel? Yeah.
1: There that's what it sense like they're supposed to be knocked out, they wake up and then they can defend themselves essentially. Okay. OK, so it's, okay. Because, I, it's not like I agree. It's kind of just like very convenient.
2: She must have unshielded all of them because literally the first thing Leandrin says while they're in the ways is you guys are shielded and bond bound.
1: Yeah. I think it's so, again, it's kind of in Leandrin's mind. She comes out, argues with this chick. And as she's going in, she just pulls the pin off the grenade and just mm-hmm, yeah. travels. into yeah. the ways. That was and
3: says, badass because she hated Siroth so much. She was like, yeah. well, fuck you. Deal with this then. Bob. Yeah, yeah. And then just yeah. dips. Yeah. And I was also- like, uh, yeah,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. Elaine. <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Elaine's the they're first like, one. To they're club. like, do something. And she's like, I can't. <laughs> and then, yeah, Elaine like, pulls down like some fire, or lightning, or whatever it ends up being.
2: Yeah. I need one I mean, of you guys to die first for me to be
1: able to channel. <laughs> Literally. Like, yeah, she's, to not, she's not pissed off enough. Paul, bro. Essentially. What?
3: she is one of the most frustrating characters you'll ever read in fantasy of your (laughs) entire life. And that's like half the thing, but shout out
2: Michaela. This is always say that
3: one of the cool, the, my favorite little moments is how quickly Elaine just like whips out this magic. And it's amazing. And same with Egwene when she does the, before she gets caught, she still whipped out the magic really well. And it showed you how much in the background they've been powering up in their, in their use of the power. We haven't been seeing that much on screen but what they just did right there was like more than almost anything we've seen out of anybody besides Leandro and Moraine. So it's cool that they were subtly growing this whole time. And now they're both pretty much badasses. So. Yes, sir. Shout out to Lane.
2: Yeah. Um, All right. On this. Yeah. Sorry. Just to You're move good. it along a little bit. But one little comment. Egwene um, does kind of get caught as Nynaeve and Elaine kind escape. Of. And I love the fact that the uh, Damane, right? That's the name of the slaves. Mm-hmm yes um the one chick that was basically the head uh, that captured Egwene she was like crying you could see in her eyes there she was like tearing up she was being forced to do this she didn't want to do it so Mm -hmm. I just love that little
1: touch yeah I mean she's just condemning someone else to her fate I'm sure that feels legitimately terrible that sucks yep all right so we're now moving into a, a buddy cop spy film which is Elaine and Nynaeve infiltrating Falm and it goes about as well as you could expect because they just kind of argue as they go down the street and then they are knocked out very aggressively in my opinion by a man who we find out is a warder um who is i mean my take on it was like okay he is like bonded to a yellow aja so he's like whatever happens, she'll just heal them is my headcanon because he just like Bangs him up against the wall and yeah. i was like all right buddy said oh down. I, thought,
0: <laughs> I thought that guy was totally evil by how they yeah I thought, yeah right. i was not expecting this guy to introduce himself as like a warder i was like what the yeah. fuck why are you just knocking people out then
2: that i felt like was such that was the, almost like the death fake out from season one that was unnecessary suspense for the sake of suspense of like oh no they got caught and then two seconds later they're like oh no it's just a warder you're good he easily could have came around the corner and be like hey shush Come with me. But instead, he's like, eat rock.
1: And then just shoves their head against the wall. Although we know Nynaeve, so he doesn't know Nynaeve. But in hindsight, that was probably the right move because, you know, Nynaeve was having none of that.
2: Yeah, but she doesn't even know how to channel because nobody died yet. So
0: the benefit of the the doubt, too. Well, I wasn't. Nope. That would only be the benefit of the doubt for the girls, not the guy. So (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't help. I like that on these scenes is just that, again, they just highlight Elaine
1: as a character. She clearly has a plan she's not just like acting on emotion and he's like we got to go save Egwene." and she's like you got to settle down like they have our faces they're looking for us like we need to change our clothes like we're our thousands of miles to the west of the white tower right now like we need to fucking have a plan and we need to do things and i just like level-headed elaine taking charge obviously nine has a problem with it and yellow
3: yeah, she's just, just cool different color yes
2: she's just so educated elaine that is that she knew exactly where they were she knew exactly how far away they were from home she's just Great, she's just so cool. I love her,
3: yeah. Oh, baby, Paul. Wow, that's it, the first non Kyle expression of love for Elaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Lane's Paul's awesome. a big parent. No, a I, I like guy. her a lot too. I like it. But yeah.
1: well, we also get that this is the second time we get the Toman head drop because she says, falm is on Toman head, which is a thousand miles west of the White Tower. And do we remember the first time we heard Toman head? I don't know who Toman is, but he's getting like time of his life dude
0: <laughs> sure. that was a terrible, joke. terrible is
1: that a no? joke is that a no then yeah tones yeah Can we that's the, that, paul? the the <laughs> prophecy that Farron Farron? that varin there you go we'll take that as the more embarrassing part paul <laughs> she tells moraine that she said i remember dark prophecies of of a sword made out of fire and battles in the sky above toman head okay no takes. Okay. Paul, you mentioned in that, that was your favorite of that episode. So I'm trying to process that information, what it means for me going forward. So that's the second kind of, we got the reinforcement again from Ishamiel this, in this episode of, you know, the final battle war curl and war curl will occur in the sky. As I, you know, as the dragon turns to the dark side, we get Tome and head, which we learned a few episodes ago is the dark prophecy of battles in the sky above Tome and head. So whatever guys. All right, dude. I just
2: I've said it all before. I'm fucking ready for some dragon battles. I don't know. <laughs> okay, this,
3: all right. This, these kinds and of is are going to be riding the dragon?
0: Fuck yeah, dude. To <laughs> wait, getting to some wait. Toman's going to give you getting some head. I just yeah. think these places and names would just mean more if I had subtitles because, like, I could see it mm-hmm. once and then like I'd be like, oh, like there it is being called out again. But when I don't have subtitles, I'm like, it's gibberish. Like, yeah. Me and Alky were talking. Of... It's just like we we hear the TV and we're like, are we just? Are we spoiled with subtitles? Because I just sometimes they're talking. I'm like, what are they even saying?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. This is an episode we're gonna rewatch when it comes out for non-screener version. So
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. But speaking of
1: riding the dragon and subtitles, we get a shamiel getting real close to riding the dragon himself in bed, uh, only for it obviously to turn into our girl Lanfear and just an absolute banger of a conversation about the past, the present, and the future. I just felt like this fit better in the context of this for whatever reason. So the floor is just open and we get a ton. We learn a lot about the past. There's a lot of just really hard lines get dropped here. We talk about Rand. We talk about the whole fucking group of us. So I just someone get us started and I'm assuming we won't stop rolling for a little bit.
0: The one thing I'll bring up is just the other Forsaken names that were mentioned. I'm not going to I'm not (laughs) assuming that was all of them that were mentioned, obviously, but um i got it written down you want me to rattle them off real quick yeah go ahead you, so you the whole
3: quote like that w- so so r- the first part of the conversation is is ishamel saying like why do you think the dark one rose like res me first and then it turns to why do you th- uh lanfear said ishamel says to lanfear why do you think i picked you next right and she says mcgideon is insane grendel is a vain
0: idiot and the boys couldn't execute a plan even under compulsion yeah so we've already kind yeah. of laid out what that meant because the boys is like that's such a generic thing to say is like the boys how the many thing. of them yeah he's yeah, like what, what does that even mean like are the first two like i guess then that implies that the first two aren't boys so we have Lanfear, those two names which are the females of the forsaken and then we have the boys which is Ishi and whoever else is there mm-hmm. um i feel like i don't know why is is 12 one the of number kyle is 12 like the number of forsaken? I don't know why. I just feel like uh, maybe I'm going to guess it's either seven or 12, because I feel like those are very like common numbers that appear like if you're in a guard or something, you know, it's seven or 12. I
3: will say that I'm almost arrogantly confident that they're going to reduce the number that there were in the books. So I don't, so we don't even have an answer for you. That's why when they said the boys, it was frustrating because I would have loved for her to just go down and list all the ones that we're going to get. But we don't have a confirmation, so there's nothing me and Kyle yeah. can even add. There's there's
1: thirteen in the books. We're not getting thirteen.
0: I mean, this is just the kind of world dropping that wheel of time just does so perfectly. Yeah. It's just a casual conversation of that like, might be fr- season five. Yeah, again, if I yeah, wasn't doing yeah. this, if I wasn't doing this podcast, honestly, those names would have like went over my head, and I would have we would have gotten that reintroduction to them, whatever season it is, and I would have been like, oh shit, like that's crazy, but like because we have to dissect everything so well I could just appreciate it more like it feels like I'm almost like reading the books with you guys you know like that's just Mm, I I love love to hear that I just love the knowledge that I I have all these questions I can get them answered but like this was just a great just drop into just knowing where we're headed in the future like it's just it's not just one two three of us you know there's like multiple of us and we're probably all relatively like the same strength and power so fuck like our people are just so screwed (laughs) go ahead Paul Yeah,
2: I don't know. I just love this conversation between their just their interaction in general, because they have conversations like, oh, aren't you worried? I'm going to betray you. Um, And Lanfear's like, oh, like, you know, obviously I am going to betray you. And she gets all serious and goes up in her face and she actually looks scared for a second. She tries to play it off, but she genuinely does look scared. The whole conversation about, you know, you know why he awoke me first um because out of all of the chosen or all the forsaken i'm the only one that actually believes in the dark Mm -hmm. um to break the wheel and he even said well i think he said to stop it i don't know if he said to break it he said to stop Um,
1: the suffering gotcha um which is eerily similar to dana's reason for being a dark friend from episode three when she's like you know the way the world is now of all the suffering all the people that you know live and die in the same town all that kind of stuff like you know he doesn't want to like send the world in darkness like he wants to save the world by breaking the wheel i'm just just, i can't believe they gave this this early this is like a really like high level like a shamayil take i love it i'm really into it but this happens like way later in the books when you kind of learn about like his actual ideals Mm
3: -hmm.
2: i mean yeah i definitely like it because he's not just following somebody he actually has an ideal Maybe the duties following will help them achieve that. A few other things in this little back and forth. I woke you because I know what you want. You always wanted, you know, your boy. You're going to go get your boy. Um, She actually compliments. Is she saying you're getting better in the dream world? And that's kind of nice because she is like the master of it she's the one mm-hmm. that can manipulate the most but he can Connects still. back to
3: season one how exactly he was with it. yeah
2: eyes Emberg just and how they were just little flashes that weren't complete manipulation or anything like that so that's awesome and then the fact is how does the current dragon measure up to his predecessor and the fact that she's just like you know he's afraid he rejects his own power all that stuff just but then him just comparing rand that is to the old dragon like the original dragon just so cool ah, and then they talk about cool. like what about the girls too and so obviously they're tracking everybody and then what about matt matt was born mad and parent will be soon more wolf than he is man they're talking about fucking he's everybody mine. he's
0: actually said I think yes. he says mine yeah, it was there. so mine. matt is yeah. was born mine and parent is making his way to being mine so that kind of goes into oh. what i was saying at the beginning of the episode that like matt and parent are kind of being pushed more so to the dark side, yeah. whereas the other three are definitely more into the light.
3: We watched uh, that quote a couple times. Oh, I did it. Know. I
0: think ten times.
1: I literally had my laptop in the air to my ear, and I was like, "What does he say?" Yeah, oh, we yeah. did it.
0: We replayed it like four times because, yeah. like, it's right when he says "mine," it like goes a tone lower, mm-hmm, and yeah. like you can't really hear it. It's like he's saying M word. I can't hear it.
3: And the one you miss for the girls specifically, he says, "Of the two girls, one craves power; the other fears it."
0: Which obviously, Nynaeve fears it. I'm assuming. Well yeah. Maybe not a,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Egwene's the one that's craving it. She wants yeah.
0: My only other yeah. like comment I really have with this conversation is that we really get a look into like the quote unquote dark side and how to me it doesn't seem like the dark side is like entirely loyal, if that makes sense. Like they're not like closely knit. So Lanfear automatically starts the conversation off by saying, like, oh, like not that I don't think she would do it, but she presents the hypothetical of what if I betrayed you? And then We already see kind of like Leandrin with Nynaeve and how Leandrin like saved Nynaeve and like she has these ties to like the light side with Nynaeve and her son. So it just for me, it's like the the dark side isn't cohesive. Like they have reasons for joining, but they're not like dark reasons. They're all potentially like good reasons, but they've kind of cornered themselves. Cornered to themselves into forcing themselves into joining the dark side, if that makes sense. So Perfectly summed up. The nuance of it is so important and what makes it
3: realistic and well-written. The best thing to compare it to would be just like an equivalent would be like the Lannisters, right? Like they're all kind of the same goal, but they each have their own individual things. They'll backstab each other just to get ahead a little bit, but they're right. still like the ultimate goal is to pre- yeah pre- to push forward the Lannister agenda, you know? Yeah. So that's how I view it. But that was if a, they that's were, great,
1: yeah. Yeah, if they were like a cohesive unit, it would be kind of pretty much game over.
0: The yeah, the world that's, would be dead with just these two problems. That's what like, I'm, That's where my note was going. It's just like I couldn't even imagine if like people were like actually willing to join the dark side and not just for like for sakes of like their if you want to call it, like human side, you know, like I feel like that would just present a way bigger threat. 13, but the thirteen issues would kill the world, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. this uh, honestly for me did. this yeah this. Yeah for me presents like, you know, a feasible weakness in the dark side. That's like, okay. Like they're not like, and I love that. We're like kind of humanizing landfear here because I keep forgetting that she was human. Like she's been around for 3000 years. She's mm-hmm. a forsaken. She's strong as hell. Like I just, I love this interaction. Like this was honestly like a top three, if not one interaction for me on this like whole show. Like it's so, my favorite yeah, character talking to like, a, an up and coming favorite character. We're not going to say okay, up there, okay. but like, <laughs> yeah, Pat and Fane's still right there in three. Oh,
3: that you say that because anytime there was a forsaken and like it was a forsaken only chapter in the books. Whether it's a prologue, an epilogue, a random chapter that's just like a highlight in the books, I was like texting Kyle. I was like, this is the best. Like I fucking love anything to do with Forsaken talking to each other is just my favorite parts of like this whole series. 100%. And it's just for the reasons that you're pointing out, it's so fun to learn more about them. And they don't give you too much, so it gets rid of the mystery, but it's always like trickling in, and every time it's super interesting. But I'm pissed. Paul took all the fun things to talk about. I got two other <laughs> things written down um <laughs> that I'll just bring up now. Like I love that they both talk in the old tongue initially. That's yeah. just cool. Like whenever the old tongue's around, it's just a cool aspect of real time. And then my other thing was, and I I might have misread this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I took it that. In the beginning of this conversation, when they're talking about where humanity is now since the last breaking of the world, they're saying like, oh, like 3000 years later, and they're still only using swords. Like I'm taking it as the last time that the dragon was around, like the world broke so badly that after 3000 years, we should be ahead in the technological chain of like where humanity evolves to like akin to what dave brought up earlier about when Luce Theron was alive like they had flying cars and shit three thousand yeah. years later we're still using swords that's how i took it
0: and i think that's like a really they also cool quote, were, they saying, were they also saying here that they didn't view it as them breaking the world
1: yeah well i mean he's more saying that like okay they're saying we broke the world but like they've had all this time to fix it and they haven't done shit about right. it type of right. deal like, that's kind of the way i took it of him like looking down basically on like humanity uh, at right. in their current state of
0: like what the hell they've been doing for 3000 years, which is super cool and interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, this was just like, I could eat up this conversation all day. Yeah. I
3: think this is a top three scene of the series and I, I use that a lot, but it's because the series keeps <laughs> we're getting gonna, better and yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, gonna we're going
0: to, we're going to come back
1: to this. We're going to be talking about this for a while. There's just, again, like Dave said, the name drops in themselves are just fucking awesome, mm-hmm. but all right. So a shamiel gets woken out of the dream which is cool. I like the way they did that where like you hear it coming and she's like, you got to go. And then he wakes up in the real world to Turok's voice or a messenger, summons him for an audience, questions him about his background, which he gives like a really good answer if I left my home so long ago. Like, all right, buddy. Mm-hmm. And just kind of turns into the present, another present, which again, another shocking present. The first time it was Pat and Fane. This time it's going to be Egwene. Luke already mentioned about her getting the collar and the shoulder pads and everything. I don't know if... We want to talk about it anymore we just want to kind of wrap it up and go into mvp lvp
0: uh right, no just, real comments it's just how are they going to rescue her i mean if she's going to be surrounded by sean chen and like Ishi at, at all times like how the hell are Elena and i <laughs> going to get in there and take her you know so we'll see rock just made another
2: comment about to Ishi. you're not of the blood or of the land so again just to go with that theme Hopefully, I don't know. I'm waiting for the reveal that some crazy, like, Perrin is of the blood or something like that. Like, somebody <laughs> is of the blood or of the land, and you just get something cool there. So, yeah, the same thing um, that they were talking about earlier. The high lady has a gift for you. I wish only receive it in good faith. I assume the gift is, like, death or something like that, because I already talked about overthrowing no. him. It's,
3: it's, it's, a, it's quaint. a quaint. It's a quaint.
2: So, okay. So... I got confused because Ishi says to her
1: at one point, "Like I have a gift for you." His gift to Surath was the girls. Was Leandrin bringing the girls? Okay, and like because now- that was like, "Hey, we're gonna give like I'll give you these crazy strong channelers that you can then give to Turok as okay. a gift, and it's gonna be like everything will be copacetic because you just brought these insanely powerful Demone to him, which will yeah. you know basically let him take over the world." So- Egwene was the gift uh, that was supposed to be received. It was supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be three of them, but it ends up just being one, but obviously Turok doesn't know that it was supposed (laughs) to be three.
3: And so my piece of this that kind of blew my mind a little bit because of the differences, I guess, from the source material is how he's questioning him because he's saying that Ishi's been around for a little bit now, and he's actually the one that brought the omens to the attention of the Sean Chan that started the return back to the mainland two things the return we've talked about won't harp on that that's just like a big thing about coming back to their rightfully owned con- continent whatever it is mm-hmm. omens are a big part of the sean chen culture that's yeah, very superstitious that's it that's all i wanted to say but this was yeah. surprising because it's kind of like implying that ishi kicked off this whole thing which am i wrong is that the book that's the thing that's a thing. I don't really remember. That's a Maybe. very
1: like read between the lines type of thing from the books. But yeah.
3: Gotcha. Okay. So I'll ignore me for that. But yes, yeah. either way, it was it was cool kind of experiencing this for the first time because I didn't yeah. read between the lines. So
1: unless I am reading between the wrong lines in the wrong way, but I'm fairly positive. And I know we're gonna it's now. Not as gonna as get a explicit, YouTube, we're gonna get, get a YouTube comment about yeah, it. Yeah. So shout out to whoever gets there first, I guess. Only my comment's gonna be we're gonna get this reinforcement of they they name the Empress. So like we know that there are people higher than the people we've seen now. Like, this is just the advanced force. So sure. we're going to meet maybe there's at least existing higher up people than what we've seen wherever they are on their continent across the sea. Right. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And then Gawain, our girl, just in a rough spot, Ooh. rough spot, bad spot to be with well, the worst spot, I would say. I would rather be Rand, obviously. I mean, for whatever, you know, for positive reasons. But like, he's obviously tied up a little bit, too, but he ain't chained.
3: We might get a glimpse of some torture porn here, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Just looking at that risk gauntlet thing, that seems to be like the main thing, controlling the collar and all that. So looking forward
1: to that for the weak point going forward. And it looks quite painful for her to be in it. It's not like it's just like resting on her. Like it's clearly impacting her physically in Mm -hmm. some way. All right.
2: Great. I'll go three times in a row for
1: MVP, MVP.
2: (laughs) All right. So Paul's last.
3: Thank you for volunteering. Luke, kick it off. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so MVP, Fear, baby. Actually, yeah, I'll take Land. Yeah, <laughs> it like it's dropped the going name. first. Okay, yeah. I did. I it's kind of I wrote, hard going first. I wrote two, assuming I wasn't going first, thinking that one of them was going to be taken. But fine, I'll take Lanfear. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, yeah, so you removed your fingers off the page. I did. You, you I did. I... Say it now. <laughs> the last scene alone, and the last scene coupled with the Forsaken conversation, that's MVP status. But then the beginning stuff, which... It felt like this was just a great episode for her all around. I I harped on yeah. her enough. LVP. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Elias because he was kind of. Oh, he was ah, not. Damn it. Yeah. He was not humanizing with. I mean, that's a bad way to say it because he doesn't even consider himself human. Yeah. So, I, but you know, he was being. No empathy. He wasn't, he wasn't helping with the transition from
0: full human to wolf brother. And I feel like he should have been more Hasn't worried. guided Perrin into like using his abilities at all. So yeah, like, not uh no, no, not. It's like, come on. All right, Dave, go ahead. All right. While I'm talking, um, we'll go with MVP. This might be three out of five for me, but I'm gonna go with Varen here. Mm. I just she's great. I, there was a lot of options here for my MVP. I'm I'm sure Kyler Paul will say my second one, but Varen just you know, deducing she's got that power deduction going on. So love that for her. And then LVP was Elias. Now we're kind of caught between two. I will go with. I will go with Leandrin. Mm. Um, she mm-hmm. obviously gave up our girls hate that, even though she freed Nynaeve, I think it was like we kind of discussed more of her just like I'm pinning the grenade as she left more so than like her helping out Nineve. But Leandrin's definitely catching the LVP. All right.
1: My MVP is going to be Avienda. Yeah, that was of, the other one. Yeah, the Nine fuck. Valley Sept of the Tar Dad, I, El, Far Dies My, She I'm just wondering. introduced us to a lot of concepts that we will be talking about for literally the length of this entire show. So it's very fun to finally meet her. Happens in a little bit of a different way, obviously, than the books, but she's fucking fantastic with all that grappling. And then my LVP is going to be Nynaeve because she just was useless pretty much and she was honestly negative in in her and elaine trying to survive and find a yep. i mean if if they didn't get knocked out and went to the size to die in her water like they just ninety would have ruined it all it feels like so absolutely she's got to learn to uh, step down a little bit yeah mvp i'm gonna go elaine she's the
2: only one to actually cast and make moves there all we go that was one room. right now so that was elaine Thank God for her. And then LVP, I'm going to do Lady Syroth because she lost so much fingernail. I don't even <laughs> find her attractive anymore. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely like a noticeable. If she stepped on a scale, she would weigh less because yeah. she lost those fingernails hell yeah they, what do you think Phenomenal they do episode. with the fingernail
3: cl- like the clippings i thought
1: clippings. it was so funny that they did like slow motion and like they like literally you hear the sound of them hitting the stone i thought that was hilarious that they made it wow. that obvious it cracked me up
0: must have been like a quarter pound those things to be honest <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> quarter pound jesus Christ! who could say how many ounces slapped it up on the hill scale all
1: right <laughs> that is going to do it episode five demane we absolutely did not aim for or hit our goal of trying mm-hmm. to keep it like two hours or less but that's what happens when we talk real time so if you're still here we love you thank you for sticking around best way to support us is just going to be subscribe like comment whatever you're watching or listening on you'll be in the know where we've been fairly consistent with these drops but we'll see what happens we're going on vacay this weekend so who knows when this one will come out and we got to go watch the eagles game so that's it i'm going to keep it short and sweet bye
0: go birds